Well, hello everyone and welcome to Yorkshire Gamer and today is episode 51 and Merry Christmas to everyone and if you're listening to this in July, it's a lesson for you to listen to it when it first comes out. It is the Christmas edition and of course it's a Brews in the Binyard um, episode and for those who've not listened to these before, a little bit of a warning in that the language and the discussions get a little bit looser than they would do on a normal, uh, more formal episode. So don't listen to it in the car with your kids would be uh, my recommendation and uh, unfortunately tonight Sean Clark, our usual third seat or first seat, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, is not available. And we have got uh, Ian McDonald from Flags of War has stepped in and has filled the third chair for our evening's entertainment. Uh, before I begin, I just want to thank everyone to who has listened to the podcast over the last year. It's been a fantastic year for the Yorkshire Gamer podcast and um, got off to a slow start. I didn't do anything for the first six weeks. I burnt myself out in Christmas uh, 22. Uh, but then I had Martin Kelly on uh, from America talking about big gaming at uh, American conventions in episode 39 and Steve Shan good friend of mine in episode 40 uh, we spoke about many things uh, he's a painter and an author and a big um, knowledgeable person on the Franco-Prussian War uh, and then uh, Nick Schofield uh, we had a fantastic episode where we chatted about the Papal Zouaves and uh, the St. Patrick's Battalion and the Papal States in the Risorgimento uh, one of my favourite episodes of all time, that one. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with Nick. Uh, and then a big coup, I managed to get uh, George Nafziger, uh, author, King of the Order of Battle, uh, on, on episode 42. And despite some technical issues, we managed to get a decent episode of that. Then the wonderful Paul Thompson was on from Early War Miniatures with uh, loads of great stories. Really entertaining episode. Uh, I went... Big by going small with Pete Berry in episode 44 from Bacchus Miniatures. Um, and then uh, the most Yorkshire podcast ever, uh, Mark Hydes uh, from Sheffield, painter and all-round entertainer, uh, came on the show for episode 45. 46 was the summer brews in the binyard. And then we went all naval wargaming in 47 with David Manley. And then we went really geeky off table with peter thompson from pro art we spent two hours talking about paintbrushes and then a cracking couple of episodes to end the year with dave brown and then the two fat lardies so and in between the various sections of the show you'll hear christmas messages from quite a few of them We've got over 110,000 downloads now on all the formats it's on fantastic Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to every single person who listens to this or any of the other episodes. And I hope you have a fantastic new year and you carry on listening to this podcast. And um, I don't ask any money or anything else, um, just um, that you enjoy it and enjoy big gaming and enjoy painting or doing whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast. Uh, so tonight's episode, as I said... Um, Ian McDonald stepped in for Sean, and uh, unfortunately, I've had one of the technical issues that I occasionally get. And um, for the first part of the podcast, um, the 
track that had Alex on didn't record. So I've had to kind of cobble together the first part with just bits of me and Ian. So hopefully it'll make sense. I've tried to uh, edit it in such a way that the conversation goes. Um, but a couple of the conversations might start and you might think, where did that come from? Uh, but please run with it. There's some funny bits in there. Uh, and then once we get on to part two, um, which is you, if you've listened before for the Christmas edition, it's a review of the Room 101 entries. Uh, and then we have discussion on uh, nationalities in film and television. Uh, say no more. And then finally, it's your questions at the end. And all that as recorded with Alex. So that's uh, that's brilliant news. So sit back. It's probably just over three hours, this one. So as usual... Get your paintbrushes ready, chuck your wet palette out of the window and get yourself a cup of tea. And without further ado, here's an interview. Stadium with the Twin Towers towering above us and the Jules Rimet trophy still gleaming in our hot, sweaty little palms. And Nick, 30 years of hurt never stopped you dreaming, but do you have a message for Yorkshire Gamer Ken and his little gamerettes? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's very much been a year of two halves and you know what? The boys done good, smashed it in the back of the net bring home the trophies, 1-0, and happy Christmas to all them geezers what is in the Yorkshire Gamers podcast community. Right, well, I don't really know how to follow up on that, but happy Christmas to you, Ken, and to uh, all your listeners, and we hope you have had a great 2023 and are looking forward to a fabulous and very prosperous New Year. Happy Christmas and a happy New Year to you all. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Christmas edition of the Yorkshire Gamer podcast, or Brews in the Binyard, as it's better known. And uh, earlier today, I was speaking to um, a fan of the show, uh, Cliff Richard. And um, Cliff said to me, he said, Ken, I said, I've got a theme tune for you, um, but I've not had time to record it. Uh, so this, I've, but I've done some lyrics. So I've got them here from Cliff. So you might recognise the tune. 28 mil is king, the war gamers sing. WRG is past, there's a new beginning. Dreams of grass tufts, dreams of snow. But be careful with the turps, or your hands will be aglow. Christmas time, mistletoe and wine. Children painting skulls in games workshop land. With round ice on the fire and avocados on the tree, it's time to rejoice in our time-honoured hobby. A time for renaissance, a time for medieval, a time for pipe blocks, but not for weird shit. Paint and varnish and glue are forever. Big games for all, just follow Yorkshire Gamer. Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, children painting skulls in games workshop land with wet pallets on the fire and mushy peas in the tree. It's time to rejoice in our time-honoured hobby. 
It's a time for gaming, a time for campaigning, a time for card deck games, and a time for board games. Christmas is brews, Christmas is bins, a time for fighting and podcasts to begin. So Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, children painting skulls in Games Workshop land. My dice are on fire and Bear Dog is in the tree. It's time to rejoice, our time-honoured hobby. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Cliff. Yeah, sometimes how long did that take you? Uh, about half an hour this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take me, Ian. Cliff, it was Cliff. Cliff said, Fuck you, we telling me Santa Claus isn't real next. You could have at least done a jingle for you. So that says, <laughs> right, so it's time to meet the boys because the boys are here, the boys to entertain you. And joining me tonight on this biannual podcast with a podcast special. Our two co-hosts. One is familiar, one not so. You may have heard his voice in the background. In the green waste bin corner, we have our resident star of the YouTubes. With over one million subscribers to his storm of steals, he lowers himself to my level twice a year. Of course, it's our very own Alex Sutherland. Hello, Alex. Some Something new is happening in the bottle recycling bin. There's a rustling amongst a group of bottles, all marked Bookfast. <laughs> By day, he's a mild-mannered bank employee, but at night he dons a cape in a phone box and becomes Flags of War Man, <laughs> covering war game units throughout the land in colourful banners. He's of course no stranger to the show, so please welcome Ian McDonald of Flags of War. How you doing, mate? I don't, I, I don't know what to say after that introduction, I really don't. But thank, thanks for asking me on. Um, not too sure I can live up to, to Sean, but we'll try my best. No, well, unfortunately, Sean's not available to be with us tonight, but Ian has very kindly uh, agreed to uh, take up the seat. And uh, he's, he's, he's got in... Uh, in evidence, yeah. <laughs> I said the same to my friend. I was... I speak to one of my, my mates today, and I says, oh, I'm on this... Sh- I'm on- this show and he's like oh excellent i love it and hope you hope you enjoy he says i enjoy it and i says you won't after this <laughs> <laughs> well well you've got it you've gone all out mate you've got a christmas hat on yep got my star wars jumper on and jumper. Uh, a star wars jumper as well which is yeah. uh, quite impressive i'm impressed with that uh, there is a little bit of green on that jumper Ian. i know that's okay it's, it's okay. battle it's battle Alex looking confused. Green is Celtic, Alex. Yeah, and Ian's Ian sports, yeah. Ian sports Rangers. No, it's, a, it's nah. another fo- that's another football club. So we normally start. We normally start. we to be fair, we've got. I forgot. I forgot to ask the, the listeners for questions, and I remembered like Sunday morning at eleven o'clock. I went, oh fuck, we've got no questions. Um, so thank you very much to the listeners because you have supplied more questions than you normally do, uh, and some of them are quite good. And um, I'm not going to say, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you which ones are shit, but maybe we will <laughs> when we go through. <laughs> well, I think I think I've I think I've cottoned on to something. People only sort of respond when they, there's an urgency, and if I go. Shit, I'm recording tomorrow night. I need some yeah. questions. They all come in. If I go, I'm recording in three weeks' time. Everyone goes, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. And then I forget. Yeah, a bit like the Christmas messages from my previous guests. Um, 
we've kind of not got as many as we normally get. But that uh, I think that reflects the age of some of my guests. Um, and when you say, oh, you've just got to record it on your phone and send it to me. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you say, get 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 your your son or your daughter to do it, and they go, "Well, they're seventy three. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. Get your get your granddaughter to do it. Oh, they're in the fifties. Uh, so next year, Christmas, not Christmas, New Year, New Year resolution to have younger guests on who are able younger to record, who are able to call, record Christmas messages. That's yeah. In fact, I think it will be a um, a, a thing to put on, um, you know, the application form that people have to fill out to come on the show. That's a big thing, isn't it? It's try to get the, it's always try to get the younger ones in to the, the historical side. There's not even less so, even less so in big historical wargaming. Yeah, they've all been sort of um, brought into that smaller. Game size off, off off the back of forty k etc. Games Workshop bastards. They're all in the devil. Started already. <laughs> it started already. My last last year last year, bloody Sean brought he brought his bloody Le- Leviathan. He, he he had all this forty k stuff. It's like what the what's this? I've it's never ever on. played it. Never played it. Never painted it. Never played it. What's wrong with what's wrong with not changing rules for thirty years? I don't like that. <laughs> Does it have what? charts? Charts, yes. <laughs> penetration, penetration tables. <laughs> love them, love them. Anyway, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Rich did mention Razzle. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. But it's not that penetration table. It's armor pen- arm penetration table. <laughs> Big year for you, Ian. Uh, you've uh, you've had lots of stuff, Kickstarters, and bloody God knows what. Yeah, just non-stop. Um, trying to balance far too many things um, <laughs> at the same time, and try to bring out new stuff all the time. And it it it, it takes. It, it's as a balance act because it, it has downsides to try to like it, it, I don't get as many flags out mm. because of it, and that's a that's a big downside that because you're you're either doing try to come up with new ideas for new figures or writing rules or um, try to get kickstarters out or posting orders. So actually looking at changing it for next year. So watch this space kind of thing Ooh. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Try, to, try to free oh. up my try to free up my time. It's just, it's just coming too much with the kids and stuff. So you're getting the kids to do it? I wish. <laughs> I tried I tried that with my daughter and like within a within one of the Kickstarters and I think within the first week it was like I've got this sword missing and I've got this list missing. It's like, right, that's it. Just stop packing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's eighteen, so she's not got an excuse. Oh, she, if she's eighteen, she should be able to do it. I, I thought they were like five or six. No, the other ones are. Well, William, yeah. he's four tomorrow, and Ian, we, little Ian, he's only two. So 
they've got a couple of years before I can start getting them working for me. I, I, I was watching a video on YouTube yesterday, uh, just one of those random ones that came up, of a four-year-old lad playing drums with an orchestra. So if he can play drums with an orchestra, then yeah. I'm suggesting William can pack things. Yeah. We, we definitely don't have any that kind of talent running through <laughs> any part of our family ever. <laughs> You get these child geniuses all over the world. There's certainly never any in ours. Yeah, but you, you just you just need a child packer. You don't need a child yeah. genius, do you? Yeah, <laughs> the, the figures that you need to pack, the thing that it needs to go in, a jelly top. A jelly top for everyone. And then finger figures, package, jelly top. It's oh, a good tactic. Yeah. It's like, it's like tra- training a dog. See, we can take it to a war game show, show, see all these figures start slavering. <laughs> yeah. Folk wondering why their figures are covered in sugar for the jelly tots. <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to have a diabetic range as well, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Do not lick these figures. It may cause diabetic reaction. That's always get that at the war game shows because I always give out free Haribo and orders and people are like, nope, can't take them. Diabetic. I'm like, oh, I've, not got, I've not got any alternatives. But the, those Haribo are ridiculously full of sugar, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're just yeah. Like, mad. Yeah. yeah. People I mean, people used to have them on nights when I used to work shifts and um, obviously I, I am diabetic. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't realize how much sugar there was in them, and so I started to feel faint. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very high in sugar. Like I've got a friend who does a like, long distance cycling, and that's where yeah. he takes a little Haribo's to just like a shot. Wow, he'll take it while he's cycling as a shot just to keep him going. Oh my word, that is. Yep. That is that is absolutely mad, absolutely mad. Ian, I saw you around the country quite a bit this year. You you've done quite a few shows. I try to, I try to, try try, try to do a few more next year as well. Um, I think we're trying to go down to York just as a visit, visitor, not not trading or anything. Um, I've actually never been to the York show. Um, no, but I've heard I've always heard good things about it, so I want to actually come down. Um, and a few of the guys that come down two shows from Newcastle we're going to go down I'm not doing salute so we kind of we've kind of picked York to think maybe we'll go down there get drunk and then try and turn up hung over at a war game show as usual you, you are aware you're not you're not supposed to wander outside the walls of York after yeah dark. yeah I've heard it I've heard it I've heard the, the, the law Is that after 11 o'clock I can be legally shot with a bow <laughs> and arrow <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I was, I was Christmas shopping with my wife in York last weekend, and I was thinking of that. I was thinking, if Ian comes, well, that'd be a good, that'd be a good spot up there. Practicing. Practicing. It's okay. It'll just be, it'll be a twenty-eight mil one. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, you were, you were at Salute, weren't you, Ian? You, as, as, a, as a, as a punter. Yeah. Than a, I was know. at Salute. I did both the partisans. I did a couple of the the ones in in Scotland. Carinade and Claymore being the main ones. We also went up to Targe at Kerry Muir. Um, and that was it this year. Um, so probably do both partisans again next year. I like mm. partisan. 
it's, it's, I'm finding it harder and harder to keep an interest in it. No, there's certainly games there that do keep my interest. The, the bigger games and no, the, the stuff that you, you were doing with Alardis and that. It was all the, the stuff looks great. Um, but then there's so much more that I'm just not interested in. Although it does look good, there was some I was like, oh yeah, more of the fantasy and the sci-fi stuff. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I do play some sci-fi and fantasy games, but not a lot. More, it's mo- most of my interest in that field comes from movies, whether it's Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, but any other kind of games, I don't really engage. But there was, as I say, it was, it, it comes up, it, it's coming a bit more harder with salute. To, to really walk away and say wow, whereas when I've been going to Partizan, I can go yeah, that that's proper war gaming. That's that's like big boy war gaming. <laughs> Even if, yeah, it's similar sim, similar situation for the traders. Obviously, I seen there was a big thing for the traders coming from Europe, and obviously that's died down a little bit. Um, so there's not as many of them. But yeah, I I don't think I bought anything. Well, I, I bought paints. I bought I got a whole load of um, I like the AK forty seven paints. And I got them all for Escape Games, um, and then I just buy the sets. I think it was like the first World War or the I think it was World War One sets I bought. Um, and then there was a a good um, bit of fun at the the last minute of going through. Um, security, security at the airport. <laughs> we try to realise I had all these liquids in my bag, and I've I, I do have a photo, and I've got my my little twenty centimetre plastic bag just rammed <laughs> with AK forty seven paints. There was like not a, there was no space to be had. Um, I didn't get any strange questions, but I thought maybe they will. Um, yeah, yeah. But so it's so embarrassed that it's war game and stuff that you just go, it's a bomb. <laughs> Look, it's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a, yeah, so I did, I, that's two years ago I did salute, and it was kind of just like, I'm not going to do it next year. And even the guys I was with, they were kind of the same. We had we enjoyed ourselves. We were staying in Camden, so we were we were out pretty much every night. We were down, but the, the show was a bit. Hmm. Well, it was. It's the it, it's the first time I've been for a very long time. The last time I went was it was um, Edexcel, uh, I think, um, and I'd been once before to the old Kensington Town Hall. Um, so about once every twenty years is is is, for me, is is right for me. I really enjoyed it because I got to see loads of people that I don't normally see. Um, mm-hmm. And was, yeah, and I got to meet some of the like foreign customers that I have, which yeah. is quite good. Um, there was some guys who were like, "Oh, I'm coming over. Can you bring a, an order down for me?" I was like, "No problem." So it was good to meet some of those kind of guys that you just never ever meet. Because they would have no other reason to come to any of the shows in Scotland or whatever, so that was really good um, meeting those kind of guys. I did see um, one of the traders. I'm not going to mention the names for the potential tax implications, um, <laughs> but uh, some guy had turned up from what a European country, and and the whole of his club had ordered a shitload of stuff, and he was literally with a trolley going out. <laughs> I think that's quite common. I I've got a. I've got a friend. It's, it's. I think 
they came over from America, and that's what they do. They kind of the club, the club almost pay. I think they pay for you to go. They pick somebody wow. every four years. Every some it's somebody different every year, but it comes round to you again, and they basically send you over to salute. But they give you a huge shopping list. Wow. And I think it's pretty much yeah. yeah. It's not going <laughs> to Colombia, but yeah. Yeah. But you don't, you don't have to shove the fingers in a condom and stick it yeah. up your ass. <laughs> well, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. You can if you want. You can if you want, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear me. So um, I I am, I shall be appearing um, with my Mentana game at um, definitely at York. Yeah, there's been, there's been. As far, obviously, I'm making all this up and it's rumor and innuendo, but who cares? <laughs> um, there's been a, <laughs> there's been a bit of I don't know infighting or dif- disagreement within the club, as far as I'm aware, um, and that's led just to not as much. I don't know um, how to explain it, but the, the it's been organised differently. I mean, it's taken me it's taken me over three months to get in contact with somebody to put a game on. You know, and I'm not expecting to get in because it's Yorkshire Gamer. I'm expecting somebody who's running the show to go, yeah, or no. Um, and I've I've literally had to fight to put a game on, which is just really strange as far as I can tell. And there's there's a lot of space there that hasn't been used over the last couple of years when some of the big traders have dropped off. Uh, First Coral, we used to have a massive stand next to the stairs. They're, they've not been there for a couple of years, and that's just been left blank. Um, so it's been a bit, a little bit weird. And sometimes the games get shoved in a corner. But you know what? I've, I've thought this year, even if it's my last time in my old age, I'm going to do a few shows. I might even come up to Claymore, Ian. So I might see you up there. You should do. Yeah. We used to do Claymore all the time. We used to love it. There used to be many bus setting off at four o'clock in the morning few tinnies, do a game, have into the pub, few tinnies, drive home, get home like two, three o'clock in the morning. <sighs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm not a young man. I'm not a young man. What's the show scene like up in Scotland, um, Ian? You've got, obviously, you've got um, Claymore, which is a fairly big size um, show. Yeah, it's held on the college campus. Um, it's pretty. That's it's a good show. Um, along with Karenade. Karenade's a Falkirk guys. Um, is that the War Bases guys? No, no. no. They're, they're from that Raya though, aren't they? War Bases, are they Falkirk? Yeah, no, nah, Dunfermline. Dunfermline. Yeah, that's uh You you'll get complaints. We've seen that. Oh dear. <laughs> they're they're eternal eternal enemies. Falkirk and Dunfermline. Are they? Yeah. Oh, is that like a massive football rivalry? Big football rivalry, town, city rivalry kind of thing as well. I, we, me and me and, me and Mrs. Riley, accident, well, not accidentally, we went to a Falkirk-Dunfermline game. Oh, really? Yeah, when we were on holiday. We'll always, you know, we'll go to a football match, just random football match near where we're staying. And we were near Falkirk and we went to Falkirk versus Dunfermline. I wondered why people were fighting it. Yeah. It's a, they're basically just thought it was a national on, sport. They're on either side of the Kincardine Bridge, so they have a, quite a, uh, it's quite a rivalry. Uh, right. Um, apologies, no, so, to my, apologies to everyone that I've just upset. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Falkirk guys. That's that's a really good show. That's they, they, 
they've kind of continued to get better every year as mm. a show as well. Um, they, they've done really well. Um, and that's kind of, I don't know, is it, is it maybe getting better than Claymore? Mm. Not too sure. Some people might say it was um, it's very well organised. So is Claymore. Um, those are the two main ones. There's a lot of smaller ones. Um, used to be there used to be a couple in Glasgow as well, but we don't have any at the moment. Um, our council's not that great at helping people set these things up. So we used to have Wappenshaw, which was the Phoenix Club, which I go to. They used to run that, and then when the Commonwealth Games came in, they used to run it at Kelvin Hall. And basically, when the Commonwealth Games came in, they did Kelvin Hall up. And basically, they popped, they got thrown out of the surf. <laughs> so it was like one year that they, they weren't able to put the show on, and then I don't think they've ever been able to recover and put yeah. it back on again. Then it was the same. G3 ended up putting on a show, um, and it was through Glasgow Council at Bella Houston, and COVID, and then everything happened, and... <laughs> They're, they're always trying to sell these buildings off the council and stuff. So the the, the, the group the group that organise them is absolutely terrible. So the guys that are trying to get answers just don't get the answers off the councils mm. and get. The, it seems as though they put every barrier up to actually get money to, <laughs> to do these things. And yeah, so yeah, and then as I say, there's a there's a there's a few small shows. I think the Dumfries shows might be coming back this year. All oh, right, good. That used to be quite a good one, the Solway one. Um, that was the, the Dumfries show used to be quite good. It was one of it was one of the first ones I ever went to, and it it was held in a hotel, so it had a bar. Oh, lovely! And you were like the the, the bar the bar was just full. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I was I remember the year I went down with a game, and I'd I was driving, so I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> it was a hotel. I could have probably have stayed, but no. <laughs> Um, yeah. Do you do you prefer um, being there as a punter or a trader, Ian? What's the? I mean, obviously, there's a big difference between the two. I, I prefer being doing the games. Yeah, um, it's certainly something that is one of the biggest downsides of being having a company because when you do have it, you feel as though you're almost obliged to make sure you're promoting it or if you mm. do. It. And sometimes in the past, my wife's helped me. She's did the, the stall, and I put on a game in front of the stall. But sometimes it's just really it doesn't it doesn't work because somebody will ask the most randomest question, and my wife just looks at like at them like a, a dog, just like ah. <laughs> the, head, the head to the side, just trying what? Oh dear! And then there's like this, just this ensuing confusion between more game and my wife just going does she oh. does she does she need a customer service course mate nah she just she just thinks we're all weird yeah well there is that she, <laughs> she comes she comes to the, she comes to the sh- yeah she comes to the shows and she was just like i would never have known these people existed there <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're alive and well and doing YouTube videos on 100 years worth of rule sets. So hopefully, hopefully I can get the kids involved. <laughs> get them doing the stall. Oh, dear me. Excellent. But uh, yeah, so, so I 100% yeah. prefer it putting on the games. Um, 
it's one of the no, it's one of these things I always say that I never I, I got in I, I started doing flags myself and then it basically became a business and I never got into the hobby to run a business but I'm kind of here now. <laughs> and it's, nothing. And, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing wrong and, with that. And I keep adding figures because I want there's just things that I want. I'm just like yeah, I'll do them. I'll do them. You've got. You, I closed, so that's a store closed today, and I've got sixty orders to send out. Jesus, yeah. they're all going out tomorrow for the last order for before Christmas. No, yeah, that's kind of normal. That's not just because it's Christmas. That's kind of normal. That, and it's it's the flags. The, the flags do the main. The, the miniatures look after themselves as well, but the flags is the the main driver. Um, and no, I've always maintained that I don't I don't take any money out of the company. Um, I just put it back into making figures, and the whole my whole aim is maybe a few years time I'll sell some of the ranges to other people and put the money away for my retirement or whatever, and then maybe start making other ranges. No, it's easily easily done kind of thing. Um, I'll never get I probably never get rid of the flags because then somebody needs to keep adding more designs. When as that's it's always I've always drawn the flags myself. Never I've never had any. But they draw a, a different flag for me. Interestingly, I, I, I can try to see if I can bring up one of the reports, but off the top of my head, there's a lot of ranges that are very popular. English Civil War, Thirty Years' War are very, very popular. Mm. Um, Napoleonic, 100%, along with American Civil War. Those are probably the four most popular. Medieval is really popular too. Um, but off the top of my head, one of the mo- I've got, as I was saying, I've got, I do loads, but um, if I can think of one specific flag that's really popular, it was when I did um, the the Prince of Wales Regiment from Sharp. Oh, yes, yeah. So I did I did the flag for it, and, like, yeah, that's, I sell loads of them. So, yeah, that's does, it okay. make a, does it make a difference if um, the period is more flag orientated. I'm thinking particularly about the Italian wars, where too many flag. I know I. Am. <laughs> some people, some people lie awake and think of Raquel Welsh. I think of the Italian wars. But you, you have a higher percentage of flags in your units. Um, so you know, if I'm buying a Napoleonic, it's either one or two flags for the entire regiment. Um, whereas an Italian wars party block will have 10, 12 flags. Yeah, no, so you like so the Swiss are very mm. popular. Um, because as you, you, you do, I'm pretty sure you do the same, but you'll see like a pipe block and it's maybe got five or six in the one, yeah. and it's all the different yeah. Swiss cantons. So people will jump in yeah. and buy lots of different ones for that. Same with the Italians, but yeah, 30 years war. Um, people buy a lot for them. I've actually just I've checked on the website, and there's a lot of generic flags that kind of they they look as though they sell way more um, because they're all grouped together. But the most popular unit flag mm. is the twentieth main. Twentieth main. Yep, that's the most popular. They is, were at is... Little Round Top. Little Round Top. They were ah, at right. Gettysburg. Yeah famous with Colonel Chamberlain and stuff so yeah but there you go South Essex Regiment Prince of Wales that's the next Um, Prince Rupert's as well they're very popular 
street. Yeah, I suppose I suppose it's um, the flags that are harder to paint yourself as well, because Prince Rupert's got all that weird angular stuff and the circles on it, and it's yeah, you know, um, I'd I'd class myself as a fairly reasonable painter, but I'd just go fuck off. I'm not painting that. Whereas an Italian tricolor, you've effectively you've got to do two straight lines, haven't you? Well, that is the that's the level of skill required for that flag. I'm sometimes the same when somebody asks me to do a new range, and yeah. I look at the flags that they're asking me to draw, and I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think it was Paul Paul Eagles and the Empress wanted me to do it was like Russian flags for the mm. Russo Japanese War, and I looked, and it was all these religious pictures oh. like Christ and like like, yeah. but they were like paintings. I was like. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. There was the same. Somebody was recently asking me to do similar. And I always look into it, start researching. Somebody asked me something and it was, I can't remember what they were actually called, but it was like Napoleonic. They were Russian militia. Mm. And when I looked into their flags, they were all very religious type bannerettes kind of thing. Um, with orthodox religious paintings on them, I was just like, no, no, because it would it would take me days to do them. Yeah, like so it would take forever to do them, and sometimes you can get suckered in, and somebody will ask you to do something, and you're like, yeah, 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 I'll do that, and you do it, and then you sell one in a year. I'm <laughs> 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 <You're like, laughs> so glad I added that. I made that customer happy, but yeah, no one, yeah. no one else is that interested. <laughs> did you, did you sell? You did some papal states flags for me for the resort. Nah, they, they're popular. Do they sell? Yeah. Them? Oh, that's all right. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel, I feel, I thought it was having a go at me then. No, 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 no. Those Italian, those Italian <laughs> ones are fairly. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's the thing is like you, you, people like yourself when you do those kind of projects, people get enthusing that I can see the, the people jumping on oh. and buying things and it's like but it's sometimes there, there, there must be things that happen that I don't know about mm. because I can be sitting and I can see an order come in and it may be somebody's bought a whole load of English Civil War and then yeah. next thing another one and another one and I'm like why is everyone talking about English Civil War? Where is this coming from? <laughs> and no, it's fine if they're all stretched out, but if they all come in roughly the same day, you kind of go, yeah. right, something's happened. <laughs> yeah, somebody's, somebody's put a photograph up somewhere. And yeah. It's like, ooh, I like them. I like them. I, I, I'll just show you my latest direction. That's, Size of that castle. That's, you can't get that anymore, can you not? That's, no, you can't. That's no. the old castle. Was it Who tabletop did? workshop? Tabletop workshop. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be Mentana Town. I've got a yeah. whole set of walls up in the, the loft. That I'm going to try and paint in between Christmas. Mm, they're very try, good. Try to do um, the try to do the walls of Carlisle. Yeah, um, I got them from um, Northstar. But all those, all those Lithuanian women who are watching this and they're going, oh, he's, sh he's showing his erection. <laughs> I'm going to get loads of sex bots after this. <sighs> Dear me. Anyway, we've been going for 50 minutes. And we've, got, we've, we've done an introduction. So um, we're here now. We're here now. Um, so um, normally, 
normally at this stage in the uh, dramatic recording of the podcast, um, Sean Clark does um, Sean's Mexican Corner. Uh, and of course, <laughs> Sean isn't here to do his Mexican Corner. So well, there's going to be a lot of disappointed fans out there. So, um, Ian, you know you know a bit about the Jacobite Rebellion. So I do. Were there any Mexicans in the Jacobite Rebellion? Well, I had a lot of tequila on Friday. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think there was any Mexicans. Was there not? No. Give us, give us, give us a cool, cool fact about. I'm putting you in the spot here a bit. I'm sorry about that. Um, about the Jacobite Rebellion, we'll have Ian's Jacobite corner. A cool fact. Cool fact. Um, right. The Jacobite army had more muskets than swords. Wow. I actually seen a comment of that. I don't know what it was. It was, it was like a, a Facebook page, and it was like a Jacobite thing. But when you have these Jacobite pages on um, Facebook, it's, it's it's normally full of Americans. Yeah. And it was like an AI image. I don't. I, I, some of these AI images are absolutely melting my head. <laughs> and I, I don't. I don't know what was going on because it was like charging soldiers but they had almost like a, a mix between like first world war gear and jacobite gear and there was like loads of them charging like a highland charge and they're all charging with these guns and it was just it was mind numbing um and that was one of the first comments on it was there's too many guns they didn't have that many and i was like yeah they did they did um, so rather than reply, I just actually unfold the page. I couldn't be bothered anymore. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I was just like, no. It's yeah. the same with the the Border Reaver ones. Um, I keep getting. I was I joined a lot of them when I had like when I released Border Wars, and you just have these. There was just people on it, and they're like, "Oh, I'm here with our clan Tartan." I was like, "You do know the Tartan isn't from the borders." <laughs> and they just wouldn't they just wouldn't it just it just kind of goes in like one ear and out the other and it's just like yeah that's my clan town like no no it's not you get you get that you get that when you're when i'm on the holiday in, in edinburgh and you're in one of the my wife will go into the souvenir shops i now stand outside um but she she, she get oh we're, would you like to buy something with your tartan on and i went really no no, I really, there isn't one. Oh, yes, there is. A, there is. There is. What's your surname? Riley. Oh, we've got a tartan for that. No, you fucking hell, where am I? It's Irish. That's, it's it's, Scottish. I guess I guess you can all say that we do, because like, the whole thing of tartan is kind of a clan-associated tartan is made up. Well, they, 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 there's loads of tartans now, isn't there? That are just made. Well, uh, are made for um, companies and. Oh yeah, um, you, you know, can get your own. A guy I worked with, yeah, got married and actually got his own tartan designed. Wow! And he came up. He fought far too much into this. I was like, when he was telling, he did this for his wedding, and I was just <laughs> like, I was told to get the DJ at my wedding. <laughs> He's like, oh, he, he had all these reasons. He picked all these colours for like the first day he met his wife. And I was just like, what? Um, but if you can ever, if you ever want to see one of the most horrendous tartans, is 
look at the the Glasgow Commonwealth Games tartan. It's pretty much Iron Brew tartan. Nice. <laughs> and that's they, they had them all coming out in these kilts and they're like orange and blue it's just like what the hell more 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 excellent visual stuff for a audio podcast yeah so that was her alex, alex is going to hold his phone up to the camera which you are not going to be able to see <laughs> and it's got big buff scotsman and kilts nice <laughs> nice Maybe maybe we'll we'll talk about um, people on uh, film and the interpretations of historical nations in the next section. <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a quick break, and there'll be some messages from some of my previous guests. Hi, it's Nick Schofield here from episode 41 of this wonderful podcast. You know, the one about the Papal Zouaves and perhaps the most important battle of the 19th century, the Battle of Mentana in 1867. Anyway, I'd like to wish you all a very merry and blessed Christmas, whatever you're doing, and also a happy new year, uh, both on and off the table. And there's probably time for one appalling Christmas joke with a biblical theme. What did Adam say the day before Christmas? He said, oh, it's Christmas Eve. Cheers now. Take care. Bye. Hi, this is David Brown from episode 49 of the fantastic, outstanding Yorkshire Gamers Reap Big War Games podcast. So have a happy Christmas and a good new year and look forward to some big gaming next year, be it Napoleonics, ACW, World War II or Ancients or even Naval. Uh, it is tradition to uh, the second part of the Christmas show, uh, or well, of all the brews in the vineyards, is to review the Room 101 entrance and uh, confirm their status within the War Games Vault of, of Doom. Uh, and there's only been three, so we haven't got a lot to talk about this, this year. Um, oh, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, and uh, that's mostly because I'd, I've done a couple of ones where there was no Room 101 because it was like the, the paintbrush one. Um, so nothing went in on that one. Um, and then we're, we've had people who have come on, back on before, so they just haven't had a, a War Games Room 101. But we've got three. And... Uh, I think um, I don't think there's going to be any argument about them going in, um, but there might be a bit of fun and games about the actual content of them. Mm-hmm. And the the first one, the first one uh, was David Manley, and David's been a bit poorly recently, but he's on the men. So uh, listening, David, all the best, mate. Um, and uh, he put. Was, no, the... I just want to say that was a, that was a good episode. Though. I really enjoyed that one, even, even though, though I've was... got I've got zero interest in naval war gaming. That was a really mm-hmm. interesting one. Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 Even though, yeah, I, I thought this this is commercial suicide. <laughs> <laughs> a three hour podcast on naval war gaming. <laughs> oh, it's just no, no. It's like a, it's like a two hour podcast on paintbrushes. Really, it's um... another great one though. That was, that yeah. was fantastic as well. Really enjoyed I'm not, that. I'm not pandering to an audience here, am I? I'm kind <laughs> not of not really. No. I'm kind of going. Here's you know. Here's here's my hit. 
And I, I've, got, I've got a three-minute pop song. I've sold millions. And now I'm going to do a 45-minute concept album That's it. Using, <laughs> using only the sound of people breaking wind. <laughs> and uh, uh, Yes, so I, I know how to look after my audience. Um, so, yes, David, bless him, um, said the, the word factions. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone. <Next. laughs> In fact, um, on, on, on Facebook today, somebody had put, uh, this, I can't remember what period it was. I think it was medieval or something. Uh, no, it was ancient. Um, I put some screenshots up of, of their new rule set. Um, and it looked brilliant and it looked really well produced and everything. Um, and then he goes, I wonder which factions I'm going to add next. Oh, it's just horrible, isn't it? It makes me cringe when I see it. And I, I was going to say, I don't know where it's come from, but I do know exactly where it's come from. It's come from Games Workshop, uh, mm. because you know they have factions. I mean, you know, the 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 dictionary definition of faction is 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 a splinter group within a generally within a political party. You know, that's where the origin of it comes from. So yeah. it's political, not not uh, military. And it just, it, you know, when people talk about, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the British faction for the Second World War. It's not a faction. It's not a faction. It's, it's, it's a force. It's an army. It's a side. Mm. You know, it's not a faction. It's just, it just doesn't work for it. You know, it's normally flames of war or bolt action. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, the because of that that step away from Games Workshop, basically, isn't it? It comes in and it really winds me up. It winds me up in historical wargaming, definitely. So, yeah, it's, I, mm. from my point of view, it definitely deserves its place in Room 101. Yeah. I mean, I've said, I said on another show, if my if I'd said to my granddad who was, um, it was in the desert, um, <laughs> what faction were you fighting in, granddad? He would have, he would have grabbed his old entrenching tool and smashed me over the back of the head with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was clever enough to get out when the Germans turned up, though. So, <laughs> thought the Italians got the glory, then fucked off. Clever, yeah, clever sensible man. man, sensible clever, man, clever man. Yeah, it's. I mean, does it crop up at all with border reavers in factions? No, so we could because it's families, uh, isn't it? Border reavers. Yeah, well, I, yeah. There's there's different things, so. I asked the question when I was bringing out Border Wars what what people preferred, and I wanted families, but there's this whole notion of clans as mm. well. And then um, one of the more reaver type names is Grains. Mm. They, they were called Grains. They, they they would that's what they would call themselves. Mm. Um, but to keep it cross border, um, I went with families. Um, because there seems to be a, a kind of thing that a lot, a lot of Reaver history seems to get really associated with Scotland, whereas it's a, it was huge in England. No, mm. the, 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 some of those families were doing way more than what the Scottish families were because they could do so. They had more power. They, they had more backing um, to go ahead and do um, mm. their, their, their raids compared to you know, in Scotland. We've obviously not. We never had such a a bigger army and stuff that we'd, we'd, we'd ever been able to stop. Mm. Um, and obviously the English families could just come over the border well as, as they wanted and, and steal as much as they wanted. 
So that kind of North Northumbria, Cumbria, those sorts. All of along, countries. all yeah. along, yeah. It's uh, most most of it all seems to have happened around the middle. So that whole Hexham area and forward, yeah. That that and then out out to the to the, to the west. The, the the west is a debatable land. That's where it was. That's where it, it was getting all crazy. There's a lot of uh, battles around where I work uh, in Otterburn. You know, yeah. the ranges up there, Woods. quite a few all up there, and scattered across that area, isn't there? Because that yeah. was all really badly affected by the reavers and things. So all the way down, so from Berwick all the way to Carlisle. But yeah. the, the, the East March was probably one of the more quiet ones. There was still a lot happening, mm. but the, the March Warden seemed to have a bit more control. Um, but then you had some, like, some of the middle March Wardens, they were just up to the same... The, the rest, and they, they're meant to be in charge, and they're going out. I'll be some join them, innit? Well, that's so. My, my, my. On the book, I made sure that I put my middle name because my middle name is Care, which was a big border family, mm. um, and they were March wardens. Um, but they basically one of the things that's always associated with them is to say that no, no, no family committed more reaving. Than the, <laughs> them, but they were the ones put in charge by King James. Like, oh yeah, you're in charge. And like, yeah, we're just going to go and steal everything because we've got the power. <laughs> rightly, rightly so. Rightly so. Rightly so. So, uh, David Manley, uh, factions. Factions, yeah. Yeah, which is your favourite faction, Ken, from the Italian Wars? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> don't forget, don't forget the Italian Wars is just an offshoot of the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> Okay, so it's it's a faction within a faction, is it? Yeah, it's just worth it's just worth six pages in a rule book. That's all it's worth. <laughs> but what what family do you pick that makes you a Nazi? Himmler. <laughs> <laughs> but was it was it was it the Lancaster? Was it Lancaster? No. Was it the, the Nazis? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't let them down here. We don't let them down here. There's a bit, there might be a wall at the top, but there's, wall, there's a wall down the middle as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, called yeah. the Pennine. Yeah, we got carried away and made it, made it into a mountain. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so, uh, Dave Brown came on. Had a good chat with Dave. Enjoyed that. Um, that was and, a good one as well. Yeah, he said he, he came up with, and rightly so, war games rules that encourage unrealistic tactics. Mm -hmm. I how agree could, with that. How could anyone go against that? I completely agree with that. Uh, I think that's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I guess it depends on how you, if you play a game or if you're wanting to simulate warfare uh, as a game. I think that's mm. the difference, isn't it? And and I think you know if you want to play a game then that's fine but there's a lot of war games out there for that but if you want to play something like the Second World War trying to play it like it's more Warhammer 40k is just not going to work is it you know you need you need to have an idea I think going in as a, as a, especially as a writer you need to have an idea going in as, as as what the the tactics of the period are because that's what makes it different. You know you can't just put a skin over everything. Can yeah, you? otherwise it's just a game, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. That you've got the, so taking the Seven Years' War and the Napoleonic Wars as an example, the infantry in the Seven Years' War would stand in line to face cavalry mm -hmm. and use their firepower to blast them away, uh, whereas in the Napoleonic Wars they would form square. So mm, yeah. unless your rules affect uh, reflect that, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 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 a I'm a bit daft in this way, and I I don't tend to look at how the rules work and try and get the the best outcome for my units. I will fight in an historical way, and I've done it before mm-hmm. in a Seven Years War game where I've stood there in line. Cavalry coming towards me and go, oh, can't get these, no problems. Next minute, splat all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are Oops. Right. Oops. Oh, well, you should have formed square. What? Not worked out how to do it then. Yeah, I think game war games that reward tactical period tactics are mm. are my favourite. You know, and when it's when it's actually been thought about. You know, I did have is... a, game, a World War Two game one time, and I think the guy had his whole unit in a building, and he's like, "Right, I've got fifteen dice." It's like mm. you've only got two windows, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm rolling all my dice." It's like you've got two windows. And like, <laughs> yeah. nah, I could shoot everything. It's like. What, I don't well, know. You probably hit all your old men, like. But... Yeah, I don't know how you're doing that for two windows. Yeah. I've got, I've got. It's like I've got ten men. So it's like fifteen dice. It's like no, this isn't no, happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is one of the things I think that, that that probably winds me up a little bit about the First World War stuff because there's mm. there's very few war games. And there's been a whole glut of them recently. I'm not just talking about the fantasy of World War One ones, but there's been loads of them where it is just it's, it's like a, it, it's it's just a, a skin over Warhammer 40k. It's the First World War skin over it, and you, you can see immediately. And it's like you know these people who are writing these things, and these people, uh, you know, the Rolls writers, <laughs> bless them. You know, they put a lot of work into these things, but they're just not they're not down with the the, the actual tactics of the time. So it's just like right, it's okay. A bunch of First World War figures running about, and this, mm. you know, because it's my period that I'm particularly interested in. It really winds me up, and you can kind Can't of look, skim through the rules. <laughs> 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 but I'll skim through the rules, and they're like, you know, it's like there's, there's, they're paying no attention whatsoever to the to the actual period mm. tactics. Yeah, so I think you've touched on this before in one of your. Your chats, Alex. And mm. I might have done, yeah. Jenkins, <laughs> but Jenkins down to a lot of. I have a passing, passing interest in the First World War. But it's down. Jenkins down to a lot of the myth and the perception is just. Oh. Uh, they just they just charged. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's that nineteen sixty school of thought of the First World War. Yeah, we talked about it before on Bruce, or mm. yeah. no, I've done it in videos and things. But yeah, it is it is this uh, this idea that you know the the. It, it, that it was just a massacre of men walking into machine gun fire and this kind of gets reflected in some of the rules and you just think, you know, just do a little bit more digging and you'll find, you know, that it's completely different to that and it's actually an interesting period that has its own flavour, which you can bring out in a war game quite easily if you thought about it. And, you know, but these people are just going to keep writing these rules, aren't they? That's mm. the thing. They're trying, uh, to, they're trying to produce a game, aren't they? That And... Why does it need to have a? If you're going to produce a game, produce a game. You don't need to put an historical layer over the top no, of it. Yeah, because make it, can... it sci-fi. You know, if you want to make a little skirmish game or something, make it sci-fi or fantasy or something like that. You know, something that doesn't, that can't be. You know, I do historical war gaming because I'm interested in history, as I'm sure most of us are. So, you know, I'm not going to be interested in in something that is a fantasy game that's got a historical skin over it. Because yeah. You know, I could play that any time, any any other way. Mm, anyway, that's yeah. So, yeah. You ever thought about doing your own World War uh, I am. 
Yes. Oh. Moments, yes. <laughs> uh, the last few months, I've been looking at uh, Chain of Command uh, as a as a first world war. Right. Set. There's always there's already a, a cocking up the mud and the blood. It's called. Yeah, I've the, got that. The, the mash of the two of uh, through the mud and the blood and Chain of Command. But I've um, uh, I went down to Lard Island. It was earlier this year, and um, mm. they uh, we, Rich was trying out a few ideas for First World War Chain of Command. Mm was slightly different and I've kind of taken it and just thought about it a little bit more. So I've just been kind of working on that quietly. I put it on at Steel Lard the other week. Uh, just had a bit of a test to see if, if things would work. And it seemed to work. But it needs a lot. It leads a lot more work. I mean, I'm not, it's not even, you know, anywhere near polished. And I put out a video about it as well just recently. I didn't, so, I, uh, I didn't hear any moaning from your table from that Steel Lard. No, everyone seemed to enjoy everyone it. seemed to enjoy yeah. it. But they always say that to your face, don't they? I don't know yeah. what they're saying behind your bike, like, you know. Two face. So that was That's best game ever. And then they go to the next table and go, pile, pile of shite, that. <laughs> I don't know what's he playing at. <laughs> There's a bloke down the end and he's got a load of Italian figures and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I kept hearing that. I don't know who they were talking about. I thought John, I thought John Savage was putting a Vietnam game on. What are they on about? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, so yes, I have thought about it, and I've actually, I've, I've kind of been working on a on a First World War version of Rommel as well. Do you know the Sam Mustafa game? Oh yes. the Second yeah. World War high level stuff. Because that's done a grid. I was, I was thinking what that that was kind of inspired by the fact that I was been thinking about O Group as a First World War game, uh, because there's loads of stuff in it that you could quite easily port over to first world war like consolidation and stuff like that mm. however there's a lot of stuff in it that you can't and yeah. i have thought i put a hell of a lot of thoughts into it and i just can't make it work without major changes and i thought well rommel actually works quite well because it's all on a grid which is very similar to that level of first world war fighting if you're right up at the divisional level you know they had basically almost grid lines areas to attack into and I've kind of been putting that together. I've not not got it on the table yet because, as I say, we you know we're moving house at the moment, so I just haven't had a chance to try it. But I, but it's more the 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 artillery is more of a a big thing in that. And what I'm doing as well is this is going to upset a lot of people is there will be no tanks on the table. Tanks will be used as a support option, but as part of the ops if you played Rommel, so you actually pay for them to use them, and it's like a one shot because tanks were crap in the first World War. <laughs> No matter what war gamers like, and they weren't used in massive. Apart from like the 350 that we used at Combray, you know, you never had more than a few hundred tanks. So at that level, you're just not going to yeah. see them. They're, they're they're support weapons. They're not um they're not frontline things. So yes, I have. I've I've been thinking about these things recently. Clearly, whether they're commercially viable is a different matter. But you yeah. know, I don't. I'd, you know, I'd have to talk to Richard about chain of command, great war, and I'd, I'd probably. I'll probably just put it out as a fan-made thing for for Rommel. Yeah, I think um, it's a one of those periods, isn't it, that has a limited number of players, so therefore would be hard, a yeah. hard sell to make. I think so. Money from it. But interestingly, there's a lot of First World War stuff coming in at the moment. I don't, mm. I don't know where it's coming from. I, mean, I mentioned it. There's been a whole glut of a lot of uh, rules that have come out recently, mostly skirmish stuff. Great, so great you know, wars. Interest there. Great war is it from? I can't remember who did it. There's a, a new set called Great War. That Looks plastic, a bit like Battlefront. Plastic Soldier. Plastic oh, PSC, is it? Oh, yeah, no. There's, um, yeah, you're thinking of Great War. It's the, mm. That's uh, Flames of War. Right. Flames of War, First World War. Uh, but that's been out for a while, actually. Right. I think that's been around for about 10 years at this point. Yeah. But there's been a load of more skir skirmish ones 
that have just come out all over it. And a lot of people seem to be painting up those Warlord Atlantic uh, figures. Yeah. Uh, which I have a major problem with, but that's, uh, that's for another podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I- I was this is not a history lesson. This is a this is a Christmas chat. <laughs> I was thinking about doing World War One next year. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. Don't know whether to do it. I've got I've got a few things I've got planned, but World War One keeps on coming up. Is that something I want to really do? Um, mm. Given how the way that was brought up, my dad's interest in World War One. I've always wanted to do something with the HLI at um, Passchendaele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my dad's granddad was. He got wounded uh-huh. twice. Don't know how you never knew how to move a second time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that's I mean, that's an it's an interesting campaign, you know, because it's that middle of the learning curve of the British Army, basically. Yeah, uh, and they are, you know, they're they're making massive mistakes, but they're also learning lots of uh, lessons as well at the time during Passchendaele. Or third Ypres is actually no, because Passchendaele is only the last part of the main battle. Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, one of the things I've introduced into the Great War chain of command is the abysmal terrain, and it's like a, you roll an extra dice, and it, that, that the roll of that dice will depend on how far you move, as well right. as your actual movement dice as well. So it might half your movement because you might end up in uh, shell craters and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's just a way of simulating that bit of friction that you're not entirely sure what's going to happen, you know, if you're not on solid ground kind of thing. Because of the churned up mud and, and crap that they had at third third passion there, or third Ypres. Isn't there some new weird World War One stuff going uh, on? World, yeah. World War One with zombies Austria. and vampires. Yeah, and... a war uh, transformed. Oh, that's it. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what it's about. I just no. It's um, the 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 thrust of it is that um, it's like um, it it's cult? like the Wicker Man. Yeah, it's like a cultish, like you know, English horror story from the nineteen twenties kind of thing. Um, where but Doggerland uh, has risen back up and joined Britain to Europe. So Doggin, what's Doggins come is, back in. Yeah, Doggins come back in. <laughs> <laughs> Doggingland. <laughs> And what's happened there is then that the entire reason for Britain going to war against Germany, i.e. the the channel ports, is completely useless. So (laughs) it's meaningless. They wouldn't even be at war with each other if that had happened. But anyway, the... uh, Yeah, the idea is it's another skirmish game, but you you put myths and magic and stuff like that in it, which I don't particularly have a particular... I've got no interest in it, and it doesn't particularly upset me, but the rules themselves are... Uh, not great, shall we say? I do have a copy of it, and uh, it's a hard read. And there's a there's about five different morale uh, rules. Oh, nice! So you know, it's not particularly streamlined, and um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, mm. I'm not going to say much more about it than that because I could say a lot well, more about it. Send it again. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh... I, I thought about it, but I don't want to say negative things on the channel anymore. I've done that in the past, and I don't think it's. A, we can say negative you know, things. Mean... It's not your channel, this is it? Well, this say... isn't. No, no that is... <laughs> say whatever you want. I'll hear. Well, but I've, you know, I've, I've thought about doing reviews of it. I just thought, no, I don't want to because I'd just be too too busy going. This is this is just nonsense, and somebody's put a lot of work into yeah. it. You know? For good or for ill, at the end of the day. Mm. Well, uh, um, you know. early earlier in the year, um, 
a friend of mine passed away as as i mentioned a few times mm. and i picked up a load of his his stuff um mm. and i always try and think positively with stuff like this so um he had a load of weird shit um so oh, i have inherited this thing <laughs> called actung cthulhu oh like, yeah, yeah yeah which yeah, is yeah. like fuck it the, what what's <laughs> yeah. going on here Weird world war so I've got, stuff, I've, got yeah. I've got loads of it. Um, it's like Nazi zombies, and oh my yeah. god, it's like a it's like a B movie from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> just... um, oh yeah, I mean, so, you know, stuff like that doesn't that doesn't really bother me. Like I said, the the, the magic and myth stuff mm. has been forced onto the First World War, but I just think you know sometimes the the actual history of the of the conflicts is is far more interesting mm. than having to put a load of fucking goblins in it. You know. You don't need to. I mean, I like I like Cthulhu and I like the Cthulhu mythos. I like H.P. Lovecraft's writings. Mm. And I like games based around those things, you know. But they're kind of set in, you know, middle American 1920s uh, suburban situations, aren't they, where everything's quite normal. It's not in the middle of a war that is already interesting in itself, you know. Mm. They're tasting something that's quite boring and making it interesting, whereas the Second World War or the First World War is already interesting. Why do you need to put a... I don't know, a monster in it. No, so, yeah, so, know, suddenly a 12 armed, three headed pixie turns up and it's like, yeah, yeah. Does my MG42 take this out? Yeah, it's like the <laughs> Conflict 47 or something it's called, isn't it? Yes, they've got yeah. like uh, walkers and stuff like yeah, that. You've got the German half tracks with, uh, with, with, with legs on it. It's like, the, you know, in, in the two years that the war has ended, they, they've gone to a really, really crap design. When they had a pretty pretty good design of a half track, you know, it's like I know what could make us lose even quicker. Let's put legs on everything. Stupid. <laughs> but there's plenty of people that play that crap, so you know they're happy. Yeah, people seem to do. There, there does seem to be a, like a group of folk that do like it. I'm not. It was yeah, you know, it was a game. game it was a Napo- there was a Napoleonic one a few years back, wasn't there? With goblins uh, and stuff. It? No, no, Flintlock. Oh, no. Way before the- Flintlock. Oh, Flintlock. Yeah, yeah, that was the original, wasn't it? That's been around for years, hasn't yeah. it? They had sharp as an elf. Like, yeah, yeah, like that's it. right. And I'm just, but I'm always like, I'm, the bit, it's, it goes back to your point. I'm always just like, what was wrong with Napoleonic War that? made it that <laughs> exactly. yes. yeah well yeah what was missing from it even <laughs> oh even i know orcs <laughs> well even if you oh, go really? down yeah i'm going to play sharp because you, you you want to recreate the tv but it's yeah yeah let's just go and make it something completely different because it was mm. i'm pretty sure there was a gem there was a world war Two one like dwarfs and stuff i wouldn't be surprised there probably is one I'd, there's probably several of them out there Okay. No, I can't recall any. I'm sure they'll be in the comments. Um, so yeah, someone will tell us. <laughs> but, you know, the, the caveat of all that is, you know, at the end of the day, we're only pushing toy soldiers about anyway, no matter what they're depicting, really. So Yeah, just, just not weird, just really not weird toy soldiers. <laughs> weird toys for weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> weird shit. Normal toys for normal weirdos. These are real toy soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> so it just leaves Rich Clark, who who was on the uh, Two Fat Lardies World Cup winning episode. Um, mm. And he, in true Rich style, um, came up. I've got, so I've got to, before you say that, I've got to mention that. that that Rich slagged me off several times on that show. I heard, uh, and I, and it got a pass from you, Ken. And I was well, very no, disappointed. I left, I left. He said I was coming up from the Midlands, and I'm not even from Sheffield. 
which is his current bugbear about the Sheffield being the middle. Yeah. So, Rich, if you are listening, you can get fucked. <laughs> Carry on, Ken. Well, I left them in so that you could respond to it. It's like, you know, they have those, the, rap, go, the rappers do the, the response music, don't they? A diss, uh, I, a diss rap. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to drill you with all this. And, uh, I'm gonna well, there you go. There's you my diss. There's my diss to Rich Clark. He can fuck off. Yeah, you You're a right cult. Yay! <laughs> the cultists. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, he came up with scum sucking parasites. It was a good which one. Which was uh, basically um, to narrow that down. Um, it's, uh, uh, people who turn up at war game shows to play games and then don't interact with the public. Yeah, yeah. If they're yeah. just there to just to play the game. Yeah. And nothing else. I think there's a there's a difference because a friend of mine, uh, Dave Kenyon, I don't know if he listens to this, but if he is, hello, Dave. He. Uh, one of his bugbears is people who go to war game shows and then don't move the figures about, and then they say, "Well, it's just a, it's a display, then, isn't it?" So I think there's a balance to be to mm. be had between getting people playing the game so stuff is happening, yeah. but also having people around the table to talk to people who come up and want to want to know more. I think there's a there's a bit of a balance there. Sometimes thing find guys find it hard to move the figures because they're talking so much yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is why you have I a big do. crew isn't it if you have a if you have a big crew of people around you you've got yeah. people who are moving stuff about and then yeah. you've got somebody like you ken who who is happy to go around and talk all day mm. rather than play the game yeah i mean um i when we put when we were putting jutland on people had come back like mm. an hour and later and go oh, not a lot's moved has it and i was like there's 250 fucking ships it takes me half an hour to move it. <laughs> it out yeah. yeah i suppose that's the difficulty isn't it when you've got vast amounts of things on yeah. there <laughs> yeah you're still taking the first turn and stuff has moved it's just only half yeah, of the stuff exactly moved. <laughs> it's, it's, so yeah I, I can see either ways but um i think it, it, it's lessened certainly going to shows in the 80s you would have clubs who would turn up and play a big game and, and not pay any attention. And uh, the group that have been mentioned many times on here, the Sods, uh, would, would kind of change that in that they would always have two or three people who would be outward facing, who would be talking to the members of the public, they'd be handing leaflets out, they'd be answering questions while there was a, a body of other load of other people who would be actually playing the game. And that would be more... Mm. You know, if you but it's quite um, person intensive, isn't it? You've got to get the people in who are going to help, and and you've got to have people who are able to talk to other human beings. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. I you know, in general, I think you know when I go to parties and even salutes and things, you know, the 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 people who are around the tables in general are pretty much personable. I think it's like you say, Ken. I think it's something that's probably a little bit more in the past yeah. nowadays than. Than, than what you would normally mm. see because a lot of games at parties I know participation games or I, I reckon most games if some if you went up and said could I play yeah you know for a couple of turns most people would say yeah jump on in well, you know unless it's one of mine I think we're a little bit more unless yeah. it's one of yours of course yeah 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 you'd just be, I'm here to, you'd I'm just here, be bent over looking at it wouldn't I'm, you like, ignoring I'm here it, to play like. the game I just stare at them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't, don't touch, touch, touch my fingers, touch my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> your greasy oh, bits off my fingers <laughs> what about you Ian because you put on you said you put on games at, uh, at shows anyway yeah don't so, you? It's, oh. it's, so I'm normally putting on some of my own stuff but it's, it's like as you say if you've got 
if you've got it depends on the size of your team that's what it goes mm. back to if it's a big club um when i used to put stuff on my club years ago um there was there was only a there was only ever maybe two or three of us and that becomes yeah, yeah. becomes harder because it you know, just takes a couple of people to come around the table and start speaking uh-huh. and then that's it's, it's probably more than half of your your crew for the team the day or your faction yeah <laughs> ruled out um but if you've got if you've got a big if you've got a big because that's always i'm always impressed when i go to partisan and the shrewsbury guys mm. and they always turn up there's like 10 12 of them and they're all getting involved and as you say people are speaking and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of taking shots and they're, they're moving in and out of the game and alternating it around um but if you've only got a handful of guys it becomes a lot harder yeah, and, yeah of and as you say you can you can get the situation that you can go up to the table and go it's not moved he's like i can't <laughs> people just keep speaking to us um or if i'm doing if i'm doing a display with my like if i've got border wars or something on i'm normally taking someone through the game mm. and then somebody's maybe trying to speak to you and then it, it becomes it becomes quite hard um yeah so, you're sitting there speaking to someone and somebody's like, what's the rules? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is a skill to, you know, keep people um, entertained and try and run a game. And, um, you know, and not everyone has a sound of outgoing personality. So I, I kind of get it that some people don't want to. Um, but I think it's important if you are putting on a demo or a display game to to have somebody there who has got that ability to engage with the public as well as other people who just play i know yeah, it's a big yeah. thing when um when we used to do the games at claymore it was a big thing there mm. of them when they're marking best games yeah is um, what what's your interaction with your people right. around you um and it was it was always it's always a big factor because if yeah, you, yeah. because they want to see they they don't really come up and tell you that they're marking the game they'll kind of watch if you're interacting with the people and if you're just standing there you get marked against you. That's probably why I've never won at Claymore then, because I, I I always go up to the bloke with the clipboard and go, what the fuck are you doing? You're writing stuff about my game. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. What are you writing? What are you writing? Let me go. Are you the press? <laughs> my reputation keep up, yeah. we're off. But yeah, I think it is. It's that striking that balance, isn't yeah. it? Like you say, between it being a a, a, a diorama that doesn't move mm. and and engaging people in it as well. And I think you know, I, I've you know, I've not put on that many games, and the games I put on have generally been at, at, at games day, yeah. so people are there to play the game, and that's a bit different. Mm. But even then, you know, when somebody just comes up and starts asking you questions, they wander over from another table. You know, it completely throws you off when you're trying mm. to corral four other people. Yeah, who, who, playing a game, you know, remembering rules. I mean, I, I had a great time at Steel Lad, but I had eight people at four in the morning and four mm. in the afternoon, and none of them have played yeah. the rules. Mm. And nah. you kind of think, you know, yeah. I've got a couple of, I've got four, a couple of people who know the rules, and I just say, okay, sit back and make the odd judgment here and there. Mm. For fuck's sake. <laughs> well, you will pick the most obscure Lardy games. I mean, you know, who plays Pickett's Charge anymore, apart from you? Exactly. It's gone in the, in the <laughs> yeah. past. It is. You can only get a PDF now. Can you? You know, you probably. I don't oh, know. Well, I might maybe maybe my <laughs> my copy's worth a few quid. Then I'll get Dave. I'll get yeah. Dave. I'll get Hang Dave to Brown to sign it when I'm at Salute, and that'll, yeah, that'll yeah. take twenty quid off it. Yeah, 
half a price. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. So, um, yes, that's that's room 101 uh, successfully successfully killed. Um, so um, I think uh, the hot topic. I've I've got a rant I'm going to do, but we've got a we've got a hot topic to cover, and I think um, Alex, you've done your Napoleon video, haven't you? And I think um, <laughs> historical representations of um, personalities and battles in on the big screen um, is, is something that we need to we need to have discussion. Um, I think we and do. Napoleon has kind of <laughs> I, I've not really seen anyone be positive about it. I've not even seen, not seen it, yet. it yet. You're not missing anything. No, because wait till it's on Netflix. With the kids, it's not as easy to go to the cinema. Um, try to convince my wife that we're going to see Napoleon mm. is certainly going to be a, a task. <laughs> um, and then with so much negative feedback, I seen some of the stills. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just wait for this to come out mm. because it was the the, the rifleman with the telescope <laughs> that did it for me. Not the uh, not Napoleon leading the charge into the British squares at Waterloo. No, I've not or, even seen that yet. Or the, or the trenches at Waterloo. Or, yeah, I'll do it that. It's just uh, okay. all the Prussians arriving on the wrong the wrong flank. A, the list goes I just, on. I, I just can't. I mean, um, years ago, years ago, one of the first times I ever played Waterloo, uh, Napoleon did do that in in our game because the French were the French the French were on a bit of a sticky wicket and they were losing, so he threw Napoleon in. Uh, Napoleon got killed, and all the French routed off. So um, he didn't do that the next time we played Waterloo. It's not, it's not new, is no. it? This yeah, I think, I think Wellington oh. was killed in, in, in my uh, Waterloo game where we played in the 80s. When we were kids. Yeah. I think the entire British army was wiped out, so man, including Wellington. Disgraceful. <laughs> Disgraceful. Oh, well, you know. It's depressing. The film's getting it so badly wrong. It's not It's not new. No. What? Okay. Well, the Look, thing is... Braveheart, Battle of Stirling Bridge, and the one thing that was missing was a bloody bridge. Well, I, I don't, I don't know if you ever, Ian, if you ever listened to the episode I did. It was one of the very first ones with Doctor Chris Brown, um, and he's yeah, a he's a yep. Scottish historian, and he went off on an epic rant about Braveheart. It was just fantastic yeah. about everything that I could have let him go for hours. He just went. Um, my dad was the same. So my dad knew. I've got a story for you. So right, my dad's been involved. He was involved in historical reenactment mm. all the way through my childhood. Um, you know, with the English Civil War Society, had a, ran had his own Covenanter regiment. We'd go all over England mm. to all these various events, and he'd do ones in Scotland. Um, and it, it became they used to have a there was a group called I think they were called the Clan, but the, one of the guys that was involved mm. in it was a guy called George Wallace, and he was one of the big Wallace. Mm. Um, society um guys behind you know, driving braveheart and supposedly i was a child at the time um and he came to our house and he spoke to my dad and he was wanting um, my dad to to be involved in some sort of way he says we're getting a film made and my dad supposedly told him to piss off because <laughs> he didn't believe him but then it obviously did come out but yeah, I, I remember as a kid, I never seen it in the cinema. I was too young, and then it came out in video, and we got it. And I, I think my dad, no matter how many times he, he watched it, even the opening scene, and it just goes somewhere in the Highlands. 
that's the that's the word that comes yeah. up at the bottom that says somewhere in the highlands and he's like he was born in the elders lane <laughs> <laughs> he was like he was no he, was, he wasn't a big family but he came from a bit of money and you've got them running about the highlands and it's just like yeah in a cyclone well the thing is i think with films though i, I kind of said this in my uh in my uh, review of napoleon is that i don't care about historical inaccuracies because you're not watching a documentary you're watching a film yeah. you're watching entertainment the thing is the film has got to be entertaining to, to, mm. to carry you along and it's got to hit certain things hasn't it and stuff like the napoleon film uh and the most recent just didn't hit any of those marks mm. you know it's, it's just all over the place tonally and you know parts of it are brilliant it looks fantastic the costumes are great and the problem is though when it's not being entertaining then you start looking at the historical inaccuracies and then they become even more apparent and stuff like you know like the thing is with the napoleonic wars that the, the man has been written about so much that it doesn't take much just to get this stuff right i mean you could just read wikipedia and you know, you'd have a better re representation of the Battle of Waterloo. Mm. You know, there's so many books out there that you could, somebody could just sit down and say, right, okay, this happened, this is, and this happens. These are the things happening in Waterloo. And you could show those on screen. The people who've gone there to watch it as a historical documentary or whatever they want, they're, they're happy because it's relatively right. And, you know, they can still make an entertaining film, but they just, it's just hit so many, so many. Yeah, uh, it's always that way that I, you go. The, these things that they add, the extra bits, do they tip the balance and making it better? No, what was there no. something that was so far wrong with the the real thing? No, I mm. go back the telescope with it, the, the mm. on the Baker rifle. Well, I don't even what is it on a Baker rifle or is it, it just is, on, yeah, yeah, it's actually on a Baker rifle. Yeah. But did that have to be added and did that add anything mm. to no. it? No, so he, like, he shoots at Napoleon and, and, and misses him anyway and hits his hat. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a nod to the original uh, Waterloo film from 1970. Yeah, Mercer and Mercer asks for position to fire his gun, doesn't he, at Napoleon? That's right. Yeah, Wellington says, no, we've got far better things to do to be shooting at the uh, enemy generals or whatever he says. And he basically says the same line in, Wellington says the same line in this, but he's a, a rifleman with a stupid telescopic rifle on it, you know, two miles away, aiming at this tiny it little thing. It would have been a perfectly good scene for that conversation to take place and the guy not to have a telescope rifle and Wellington to go, you'll never hit him from this distance, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, why try? And, and why try? So, yeah, yeah. just to it, put it, it just, into a little bit of historical context, at least, instead yeah. of... I, I, I get the, the, you know, the requirement in films to entertain, mm. but there isn't... You can do that with being historically correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, like... You know, it, it's not a documentary, but then why call it Napoleon? Why not yeah. call it Dave Emperor of France? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 it's as close to that as it is, really. Yeah, and his, uh, his girlfriend Janine, <laughs> and then he, he asks, she can't get pregnant, so he ends up shacked up with Chantel. <laughs> uh, and so, <laughs> that's not real, but <laughs> we're talking about real people. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? And, and again, somebody like Napoleon has, you know, there's so many biographies i mean that they're coming out every minute aren't they pretty much mm -hmm. there's thousands and thousands of books about napoleon so it's not difficult to get some of the basic aspects correct in that way you know even even if you know you're not watching it from a, a historical point of view just to you know stuff like him charging 
a, a Borodino and him charging at Waterloo and things like that. You know, there's so many, so much nonsense in it that mm. it's, it's beyond beyond parody, really. It's it's, it's, it's madness. But I mean, one film one film that got panned was Alexander, um, and I did. I, I honestly didn't think that was as bad as people made out. But a lot of people were going on about Irish accents for the Macedonians. Well, the Macedonians were considered by the Greeks to be a kind of a lower level, uh, a, a, a working class Greek, if you like. So I can see why that came in, and it also helped that Colin Firth was not Colin Firth. What's the other one? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. That's yeah. one. Yeah, he was the. Um, he was Alexander. Um, he was he was Alexander. Banshees of Inishir, and that was a good film. I enjoyed. Yeah, it, it was. Very yeah, slow, very yeah. slow, but yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Comedy was just so, so me. Really enjoyed that. Anyway, that wasn't Alexander. No, uh, but the battle scene, the battle scenes in that were fairly good. They had um, a lot of historical stuff, like him taming um, his horse, Bacillus or whatever it was called. Um, so. I didn't think it was that bad, but Napoleon. But that's what I mean. It's like you know the 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 entertainment value of the film is is bringing you mm. along, isn't it? I mean, I you know my yeah. favorite film I think is is Apocalypse Now. Now I don't watch that film as a as a documentary on the on the Vietnam Vietnam War because it's just you know from a historical military historical point of view it's absolute garbage, you know. But mm. it's a great film because that the the acting is fantastic, the story is great, the the plot is uh, draws you along, the you know the, the characters in it, the script, all those things carry you along, so you can ignore mm. all the, the the military nonsense side of it because you're enjoying the film. <laughs> If I remember rightly, they're generally using the right kit. They're using Huey's, oh, maybe not the right yeah. model. Or they're using the correct riverboat. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's not like they're, they're, they're turning up in a Bell Jet Ranger <laughs> or some, something no, like that. No, they're not. They're uh, not. But you know, just you know, it's it's not. You know, if you if you're a military historian, it's not it's not how the Vietnam War was fought. You know what I mean? It's it's how it's the popular perception of how the Vietnam War was fought, mm -hmm. uh, but it still works because it's still an entertaining film because all the other the other aspects of it actually work very well. So you know, you don't you can ignore the the nonsense bits because it doesn't yeah. matter. It's part of the story and the madness. Whereas with Napoleon, the other bits don't work so well. So then you're starting to look at the historical side of it and you think, well, you know, again, if this is, again, you know, Apocalypse Now is not based on history. It's based, it's within a war. It's not about the war. Yeah, they're not, it's not, they're not pinning it to any specific yeah, battle exactly. and stuff. You can get away with a little bit more. It's like... Exactly, mm. exactly. Whereas like Waterloo, for God's sake, I mean, you know, just go on by Mark Adkins' Waterloo Companion. You could get it so right. You know, it's so easy to do. That's what I mean. The amount of stuff, the amount of words that we've written about Napoleon and about his battles. Anyway, don't so don't go and see it. Watch my review instead. Exactly. <laughs> after after you watched after you watched the Foy battle report. Oh yeah, yeah, and, course, and yeah. listen to this podcast. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, they are they're listening to it, Ken. If I'm talking to them on the podcast, they are listening to it. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Like, <laughs> I like that. Well, that's good good point. Good point. Well made. <laughs> What's your first rodeo, Ken? <laughs> I think everyone anyway. is his first. Um, as Cludden, Cludden's appeared on telly a few times, hasn't it? Ian? I mean, I've yeah, never seen that. it on. Um, oh, what's that bloody and thing? My wife watches where Outlander. The, I, Outlander. Don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. That Preston good. Eh? Preston Pans was on there as well, wasn't it? Preston Pans was on it. Yeah, that was another rubbish. 
part of that's it. That's a fantastic. That's a fantastic battle to film because it's in fog, isn't it? Most of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you only need like four extras. And it, it <laughs> the British Army, they're there. I can't see through the fog. No, it's over, it's over in minutes. It's over in minutes as well. So yeah. you could you could show the whole battle. On a, nice and cheap. Yeah, just like. Do it in one shot. <laughs> but yeah, there was that. Was what was it? Was it the sixties? The film was out. Was yes, there was a the black, black and white, white one. Would, yeah, and I always remember that because when they're going through, I've watched that loads of times. But when I was a kid, I always remember it. And they go through mm. and they tell because they try and draw you in with the characters and they tell you their names. And there's a little mm. boy and his name is Ian McDonald. <laughs> but even in that there's so many myths yeah. that are associated with it um, and sometimes you'll hear people still saying them even though as you're right as you're saying with the other stuff so many, there's so many mm. books now mm. um, that are written and just basically, just, you know, basically put those to bed and people just still don't want to change their way it could be anything yeah. in terms of as i said that whole idea that the the jacobite army had more muskets than swords mm. people were like no 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 they were a medieval army <laughs> they really weren't <laughs> I, think, I think that's the, that, that, that's the danger isn't it from from all this and, and that you know we can we can laugh a joke about the historical inaccuracies but a lot of people who watch these films this is the only um exposure they have to yeah that battle yeah. or that person and they mm. then go on through the rest of their lives to believe there is know, upside I, some people will go and get more books i remember um some friends that don't really have much interest in history mm. um and then outlaw king came out and they were like oh yeah. can what can you recommend any books on mm. the bruce and mm. i was like oh you should get these books um but even some of the stuff that was in that it was just it's it's, it's almost lazy no, the, most of these films they get certain aspects of it right, but then just they offset it with some crazy thing. Yeah. You're like, why did you? Why? What, what was the balance there? What? What? what yeah. did you, why did you just go? Oh, this is where we're actually going to go with it because it makes it more exciting. Mm. Would it have been more exciting than the actual thing? I don't think it does. Mm. But again, you know, we're watching these things as historians, aren't we? Or people who mm. have a particular interest yeah. in in that particular period. You know, and it's and it's hard to switch it off, isn't it? It's like, you know, I, I do it with First World War films because I generally don't watch them because, you know, they, they wind me up too much from a historical point of view. Uh, uh, but, you know, like you say, if we... Did you not like 1917? Well, to be honest, again, I, I went to see it at the cinema... Uh, the reason I went to see it is because it partly was uh, filmed down on Salisbury Plain, so uh, oh, wow. we had some bit of MOD uh, interaction. My boss was doing the archaeology before they dug the trenches, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a friend of mine was the historical advisor on the film mm-hmm. uh, as well. No uh, excuses so, then. Yeah, exactly. So I went to see his name on, you know, yeah. on the screen kind of thing. Uh, and to be honest, I just I switched off my First World War head. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was an all right film. Mm. You know, it, it, it wasn't... Uh, I was more interested in the technical aspects of it, the, f- the fact that it's supposed to be one single shot yeah. for an hour and a half. It isn't really. It's about four or five. But what I was looking for was where the where the join 
of the two shots was, you know, where the points where uh, where where they stopped filming at one point and then started again. Uh, and I was also just looking at the setting set dressings and stuff like that. I was looking at it from a technical point of view, uh, and I thought it was yeah, it was uh, you know, it's, it's, it's saving Private Ryan, isn't it? You know. Mm. Uh, well, we, when, I, when I watched yeah. that film, me and Mrs. Riley were on holiday and we went to a, a, I can't even remember where the cinema was now, but it was one of these interactive 3D chair move cinemas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rumbling. Fucking, I come out looking like I've been dragged through edge back. Every, t- <laughs> every time a bomb went off, all this bloody smoke <laughs> came off from in front, chair in front of you. And then well. I, there's a bit I, where he jumps in the water. Oh, yeah. There's loads of spray of water comes out of the chair. Really? That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chairs rock and move around, yeah. and I thought, thank God this isn't a bloody World War One dogfight film, or else I'd be sick. I mean, that, <laughs> that was one of the funniest things when he goes in the water, actually, because, um, you know, it's supposed to be in uh, northern France, Belgium, which is incredibly flat. Yeah. And there was those rapids and the uh, the big waterfall and stuff like that. It's <laughs> like, you know, I've been around those places plenty of times. I've never seen a river that looks like that. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I noticed as well in that river scene is when he, he comes across all the bodies. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, I was looking mm. at the bodies, and if you look very closely, they're all actually exactly the same. So they've just molded one body, uh, just yeah. reproduced it, oh. and all the faces are exactly the same. And I, that's, I was looking at, I was looking at stuff like that rather than actually watching yeah. the film itself. You know, I was just thinking, oh, that's interesting. You know, oh, there's that face again. There's another one. They're all piled together. But it's stuff. You must have loved Old Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> that was a terrible one. That was even worse. Again, that that goes back to the same thing. Like with nineteen seventeen, I was kind of, I thought the story was okay. It was like an interesting story. It was you know these lads have got to get somewhere to do something. You know, hmm. it's the uh, it, it's the uh, it's like Lord of the name. Rings without the ring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Lord of the Rings, Saving Private Ryan. Um, it, it's Kelly's Heroes. It's all you know, hmm. pretty yeah. much any war film actually, uh, and. But with All Quiet on the Western Front, it just there there wasn't that entertaining bit. I just found it incredibly boring and plodding, and and I just again switched off because it just wasn't particularly interesting hmm. as a film. And then so then, like I said, with Napoleon, it's like the same same problem. Yeah. You start then to look at the historical side of it, and it's like well, this is also rubbish from a historical point of view. Whereas nineteen seventeen, rubbish from a historical point of view, but an entertaining you know walk through. No man's land, kind yeah. of. I always had a soft spot for the was it the eighties, all quiet on the western front with John Boy Walker. Yeah, the one with John Boy. Mm. I prefer the original, the nineteen thirty. I've seen that. My dad yeah. had. We we always had the video mm. for the all quiet on the western front. So I would. I remember watching it as a kid, and it kind of yeah. gave that, me a little was bit that, of that the interest. Ernest Borgine. He's in the eighties one. Yeah, is he in the eighties one? Right. He's in the birds, Yeah. He's one of the yeah. He's yeah. He's John Boy Walton. I can't remember. Nobody can remember his actual name, but they all remember John Boy Walton, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> is, didn't he become a famous actor? Is it is it Ron Howard? Is it him? No, no. He was Happy no, Days. No, no, yeah, he was in Happy Days. Was he? He's a he's a famous director. He is, yeah, very famous director. Yeah. Right. There we go. Just his daughter's well, a director. I, as I won't well. do any nineteen seventies right? American TV quiz. Just to finish this little bit here, um, because I don't have 
uh, I don't get to put things into Room 101. I need to rant about something. So just give okay. me a couple of minutes. And I just well, we, we can switch off here. Yeah. Before before <laughs> I start, I'd just like to say that the Perry brothers have done a fantastic job. And Perry Miniatures <laughs> in general. Are, are you covered in this? <laughs> Very heavily. <laughs> are absolutely brilliant. But I, I've just got to say that. Smashing icons. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, lads. I've got to knock you down a peg here. Here it comes. <laughs> I've been building some um, figures from the Perry plastic box sets recently. And it's never really struck me before. I've built thousands of them in the past. But. Why the fucking hell is there an instructions about how to put them together? You've got a figure, a head, and two arms. Where the where the fucking hell are you going to put the head? Where else is it going to go? What what could you possibly do to get that head in the wrong place? And then you've got two arms. Well, the thumbs tell you which arm it is because if you put it on the wrong way, the thumbs at the bottom. But do, they, do the arms not go with certain bodies sometimes? Don't defend them, McDonald's. <laughs> You'll not be invited back. <laughs> it's a room 101. There's, there's no rationality in this. Why? Uh, I just Why? Ian, you make figures. Lawyer. Do, you, do, you, do, you, do you do any multi-part figures and do you put instructions with how to put them together? No, I've got some with the, the, the border reavers because they were 3D, mm. uh, mostly on the horses. Um, we did some of the Jacobites, just separate arms with the swords, just those ones. Um, but the majority... No, Wait, did you single, at any point say, attach this arm with sword to that torso stuff? No, no. <laughs> no, one, no one seems to have had a problem with it so far. <laughs> that you know about? Yeah. That I know about. No, no one's really. No one's ever complained. And the flip side of this, I once bought an Italian, not Italian, uh, Indian mounting gun, World War One mounting gun from uh, Empress Miniatures, from their um, Imperial Jazz War range or whatever it's called. That had about a million pieces, no instructions. I've still got five or six bits of it together, and it's been on the table five times. So when you need it, from one extreme to the other, it's not there. And when you don't, so there we go. I'm feeling better now. I've got a feeling though that somebody somewhere uh, with those Perry miniatures will have put their arms on the wrong way around, or will have put their head on upside down, or something like that. Do we want they, most people in... in our hobby? <laughs> Natural selection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you're not sure which way round your arms go, <laughs> then where your head goes, especially. I mean, all right. The direction of the head. If you've watched Exorcist, it can spin. <laughs> but generally, it's not difficult, is it? Okay, I, I think, I think I'll go with you, Ken, on this one. I'm thinking I will. Mm. Yeah. I'd, you know, if it's only a three-piece figure like that, yeah. well, four-piece with with the two arms and a head, I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty superfluous to be putting uh, instructions in of them. But I think they're just covering their back in case somebody puts them on the wrong way around and then blames them for it. It's like saying, you know, coffee, it's, it's it, like it, saying it, this cup of coffee is hot, isn't it? It's one of those. The instructions are on the cup. Yeah. Really. 
The destructions do go in the cup. This cup, this cup is hot. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Do you ever remember the famous story? What was it in America with Winnebago? And the big, I think the big, you can Google it. It's like they basically they had to do a big payout because somebody put the Winnebago in auto drive and went in the back to make a cup of coffee. And it crashed, but they basically the instructions said never said that that couldn't happen. So right. they paid out and then had to re- and had to change the manual. Had to rechange the manual, yeah. Well, you see, there you go. You know, it can happen. There you go. All yeah. it takes is one person. It's called auto drive, so yeah, yeah. You can kind of see where they're coming from. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We need, we need, <laughs> a, we need to follow, follow Darwinism, though, don't we? We need to. If if you don't, if you if you need that level of instruction. <laughs> Then you need removing from the gene pool. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's I've said it. I've said it. So oh, there's going to be a lot of people now who've accidentally put their heads on the wrong way around now. Yeah, you'll get you'll get them in the comments. Yeah. It'll, be, uh, anyway. it'll be the the guys at the stee at the plastic crack. He'll yeah, be putting tufts on them and stuff. <laughs> That's true. Oh. Ruin them anyway. Oh, yeah, whatever. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so. We're going to draw a line under section two there and come back in a second with the questions. Hi there, it's David Manley from episode 47 of the Yorkshire Gamers Re Big War Games podcast. I just want to say a very happy Christmas to uh, all of our listeners here. Uh, from me and everyone at uh, Longface Games. And uh, just want to let you know that hopefully I'll be back fighting fit and ready with some new stuff for all your naval wargaming needs sometime early next year. Have a very happy Christmas. Hi all, it's Mark Hydes from episode 45. You must have all been really good boys and girls this year because Ken's not had me back on the show yet. But if you're thinking about being naughty, remember he can always reverse that decision. Anyway, I just want to wish you all an absolutely fantastic Christmas and a prosperous and peaceful new year. Ho, ho, ho. And I'm not going to stop the recording because it fucked up last time. Fair I'll, enough, I'll just, Gary, I'll just cut this bit out. <laughs> the magic of editing. The magic Leave editing. it in. Leave it's it in. even better. Though. I've done it in the past. Um, on the last one, Mitch made a really bad joke, um, and unfortunately, it didn't record. But the bit where I said, "Oh bloody hell, that was risky," we did record, and I left, I left that in. Of course, nobody yeah, knows. I, it. I, I can't even remember what the joke was now. But, but I did. Go, yeah, I can only imagine we're rich. I did. Go, <laughs> yeah, it could be anything. <laughs> right, we'll rattle through these now, and if we get bored, I'll stop them. So. <laughs> Right, part three, Ask Our Nora. Get questions from uh, members of the public, listeners. And um, I was saying before we started recording that um, normally I do this a couple of weeks beforehand and I get fuck all. Um, <laughs> and then we'll get two or three dribble through during the week. So this time I put it out 24 hours before the recording and I got thousands of questions. Thousands <laughs> of them. Jeez. Thousands in the same way that I've got millions of subscribers. <laughs> Um, 
I want a thirty ratio. I got, I got a few. I got a few. So we need to crack through them. It's close to thousands in a universal yeah. scheme of things. And some of them are actually quite um, good for Ian, and people didn't know he was coming on. So there we go. So um, we'll start off with uh, the Twitters and uh, Reese Humphrey on the Twitters. And we've had a similar one in the past, um, but we've not had Ian on the show before, so we'll we'll, we'll run with it. Um, if budget, space and time were not an issue, what new period would you want to do and in what scale? Ian, what do you think? We'll go with you. He's, he's got his confused face on. Yeah. yeah. Just try, try to think how big I would go. Historical version of Napoleon, uh, the, the the film version of Napoleon. Mm. <laughs> it just have hundreds of flags <laughs> on a thirty man unit, <laughs> a cavalry unit with fifteen. <laughs> um, I would probably say if I was going to do it, it would. It would I've I've attempted it before and never got there, but I would I would like to increase the scale of I was doing it and go for full Marston Moore. Oh, nice. Well, one to one. Ah, yeah. I've, se- I've seen certainly, cer- certainly a big, big chunky unit scale. Somebody did master more yeah. at one to one at Sheffield in six mil a long time mm. ago. Very, very. Oh, no, was it was it James? Yeah, uh, I forget his surname. He's um, Glass eighty four or something. I think over on uh, been. Twitter. Could have been. Could have been. Twenty eight mil big units. Oh yes. I'm thinking about, and I know I shouldn't be. I'm thinking about going into 28 mil Napoleonics, and I really shouldn't be because I've got. You're going to go for Leipzig? Yeah, because yeah, I've got like 9,015 mil Napoleonics, and I've always promised myself never to repeat to do one scale for one period, but I've just got as this itch. But it's your your interest in Napoleon Napoleonics is some of the the big massive. Battles. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I wouldn't be pissing about with it. Um, it's, it's not. It's not like the British ones. It's it's way out with the the Austrians and stuff. Is it not? Uh, well, I'll do. I'll do anything. The Russians. I'll do anything. Um, All right. I'll do anything. And what I'm not going to so, have. I'm not going to have. And it, I've seen it everywhere. God, I'm on a rant today. Twelve figure cavalry units. If I see another twelve figure cavalry unit, I'm going to smash the f- out of it. <laughs> Just because people sell cavalry in 12-figure boxes doesn't mean that every single unit on the table has to have 12 figures. That may be the ratio they're working with. French guard lancers, 1,000 thousand men, 12 figures. See, that's a, that's a problem I've got with the Jacobites. Is some of the, some of the, the cavalry units were so small. Yeah. <laughs> When you do a ratio, you can't depict them. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you get down to like two figures. I'm like, yeah. it's not a unit. <laughs> exactly. I've, with my Mentana game, the cavalry units there were 50 and 60 men. So I've I've had to do them as six figures to make it even worth having them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. So, Landwehr cavalry unit from Prussia. 350 400 men 12 figures french guard lancers 1000 men 12 figures stop it now <laughs> okay i've said it just stop it anyway that's... would you ever go 40 mil because oh, money's not a factor my mate um roger roger castle um he's gone 40 mil Napoleonics. 
and bless you, mate. He's a good guy, Roger. Yeah, bless you, mate. But, um, no, it's that's too that's too big. I mean, the, there was the um, Ian Smith game, wasn't there at Parthenon? Yeah, with, yeah, with all forty mil stuff, and it just looks amazing. Um, but he, yeah. maybe maybe that's a game too far for me. Scale <laughs> too far. The, quest, the questions. Money's no object, and yeah, money's no object. It's not time. Uh, it's all. I, it's all there. For you. I think twenty-eight mil Napoleonics is what I would want to do. Recreate my youth and that massive game that I first saw that got me into. Mm. Maybe not, Alex. You haven't given us an answer yet. I haven't. So I. Uh, well, mine would probably be uh, what I'm planning on doing anyway in 2024, which is uh, 50 mil Vietnam. Oh, going to the Nam. Not 20. Be, not 20 mil I Vietnam. Am. No, no, no. Fifteen mil. I've already got fifteen mil jungles. Why would I? Why change it? Yeah, but they might I've be just everything. smaller jungles. <laughs> or bigger well, man. Got, yeah, bigger man. I've got fifteen. <laughs> I've got fifteen mil buildings as well. So you, you could know, do. Again, you could why, do. Why have... You could do. You could invent your own weird, weird Vietnam rule set where the men <laughs> yeah, been given steroids and are all slightly bigger. There is a. There is a weird. There is a weird Vietnam game. Yeah, something there will be. Right, Red Sun or something oh, came out God. two years ago. No, no, no. It was like werewolves and stuff. Right, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, there will be something. But yeah, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking at uh, 50 mil Vietnam. Uh, maybe Charlie don't surf. I think yeah, is the, uh, the rules I'm looking I've at. So how big are we talking? Uh, what game wise? You mean? Yeah. Uh, company level. So three platoons, one to one scale. Uh, so yeah, but uh, not skirmish, but uh, uh, and in 50 mil, so it's doable on a six by four, or potentially bigger mm. in the new house. We'll see. But yeah, that's my that's my plan. That's kind of my plan. So I'd, I'd like I'd like it to be at the point where everything is done, mm. not at this point where I haven't actually bought anything for it yet. <laughs> I'll paint good, anything. There's been some good Vietnam games that shows over the year. Mm. Always, they certainly out. Yeah. They always look good. I've always had a bit of an eye on it, you see, because I played body count when I was a kid. And I even, uh, when I was a nipper, when, we when I was a teenager, we used to write role-playing games all the time. One of the ones I wrote was a, a Vietnam role-playing game. Uh, I mean, you know, they're incredibly basic stuff, but it's always been an interest, you know. Again, probably from a, a film point of view more than anything else, really. Like, yeah. uh, But, uh, you know, I just have always kind of like a bit of a, a side eye on it. And the fact I've always, I've got all the jungle terrain for, for Malaya anyway. You know. Yeah, my problem with Vietnam, Vietnam games is they always look like a fish tank. <laughs> it's just pretty. Well, that's, that's why you paint the the aquarium plants. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere. John Savage had them at, at um, Steel Lard, didn't he? Fantastic looking table. He did. He did. But I'm waiting for a Siamese fighting fish to come <laughs> swimming through. No, yeah, no. Everyone always concentrates on the jungle, and they don't really seem to go into the city and stuff. Mm. There was a there was a great yeah yeah there's the other called the siege of players with the um, yeah siege of Saigon yeah siege of Saigon with the American embassy that had loads of different levels that were Tet effective wasn't it that was good very good yeah that's you know again that'll be something that'll be interesting to look at like some uh, city fighting and things Mm. Uh, so yeah you know there's there's quite a lot to do with it it doesn't always have to be the jungle but uh, you know kind of like the, Mm. the the classic. Encounter is in the jungle, isn't it? And the boon is right. But we're yeah, we're, def- we're definitely rattling through these not quick enough. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, Stephen, you haven't got to get up early tomorrow, have you? Yeah? 
I'm up early every day. It's okay. I've got two children. <laughs> uh, Stephen Gray on Twitter. What is your famous, your favourite Italian family, and why is it the Borgias? <laughs> See, my my favourite Italian oh. family is the Borgias, and I've got a very big Borgia army uh, lying around under the table. But I'm going to say the Carbonis. Benito Carboni he used to play Benito for Bradford Carboni. City. Oh, I mean, well, I'd seen this question yeah. on Twitter, and I don't know much about Italian wars, but I would have to go with the, the Sforza family. Sforza, yeah. Because I just AC Milan. Oh so. yes, yes, AC Milan, and Katarina Sforza <laughs> was um, uh, a bit of a one. Not quite. Sorry. Not quite. Um, oh. Thingy Borgia, Lucrezia, um, but yes, she was a she was a proper character, Caterina Swartz. Well worth reading off on. Uh, mine would be uh, the Pellegrino family, who aren't a famous family from the wars, but um, I went, I spent the two weeks in uh, in Italy with Frida, Frida Pellegrino, oh. and uh, it was great. Nice, nice food, <laughs> nice food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The family made me very welcome. It was great. And uh, went to explore a few First World War trenches up in the north of Italy. Oh, what more do you want? That's that's my kind of holiday. My kind of holiday. Mm-hmm. We went to um, we went to Lake Como. Not well, we've been a few times. Um, but Miss Mussolini was shot and captured in a ah, Luca, right. Luca, Luca or something like that, one of the villages just off the side of the. Um, the, of the of the lake, and we were driving past, and it's like this sign that said, Mussolini was shot and captured here. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> turn around and go back. Whoa, turn around, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was good. Anyway, that was that was a lot better, a lot quicker, that one. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, friends Nick. of General Haig on Twitter. Afternoon, Andy. What is the best Evening, thing Andy. and the worst thing that Santa has ever left under the tree for you? Could be hobby or non-hobby related. And then he says, Merry Christmas to the Binyard crew. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Andy. The, well, Santa's never left a big jobby underneath me um, tree. So that, that's no. a positive. I shoes of the cats here. Yeah. My my mother-in-law, bless her, um, she will focus on something. So if you say that you like randomly, my missus said a couple of years ago, oh, I like elephants, mum. And then she gets like fifty-seven elephant-related <laughs> presents. <laughs> and then last year, she, she, there was this really cheap. Um, I think it was from Aldi's or something, pomegranate or something, and perfume and hand lotion and stuff. Oh, I really like that, Mum. Fuck it, we had we, they were delivering it. There was tanker turned up with pomegranate. Browning, it. Fuck's sake, woman. Taking a bath in it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah I think. I think I once got a uh, from an aunt who didn't know me very well. Got a got me a I think it was like a uh, England World Cup team <laughs> coin. <laughs> so what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I got zero interest in football. <laughs> you know, I'm, what am I going to do? I'll, I'll put it on display. You know, <laughs> great. Cheers. I think the, I think the danger the <laughs> danger with that is. Um, Certainly, football related, and Ian, Ian will uh, know what I'm talking about with this. Is where, the, where you've got a member of the family who knows that you like sport and like football, but in my case, would you know? Oh, I've got this Huddersfield Town annual. I'll buy that for Ken. He likes football. It's like, why do why do I want why do I want dog shaggers on my 
I'm not. I'm not having that. Well-meaning present, obviously. I mean, if somebody bought you a Celtic top, Ian, you'd be. I just wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's one of those things. In this, in this city, that's that's uh, that's something you even the even the non-football fans clear themselves up on quick, pretty quickly. Well, you would you be put on a list if you found buying one? Would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to stay in my house as a child. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names because it will. It will get me into trouble. But a friend of mine, um, her son used to play for Rangers. Um, uh, I'll tell you off, Arian. And um, she turned up at one of the games. You've me before. Um, she turned up at one of the games in a green dress. <laughs> and didn't know. She had, to get, she had to get escorted into the uh, the VIP area where all the, the yeah. So she never did, never made that mistake again. Bless her. There we go. Uh, but I've never, I never I always tend to stay away from asking for hobby stuff. Yeah. For Christmas. Yeah, me too. Books. Books. Yeah. yeah. Hobby stuff now. I'll, I'll add stuff to Amazon list for books, but hobby stuff. My wife will go, do you need figures? But I've normally got mm. too many bloody yeah. figures as it is. And then you don't want to give them free reign because they they would oh, just yeah. so many things that could go mm. wrong. Yeah, I've had I've had games in the past. Um, I had terraforming Mars. I had yeah. terraforming Mars last year. Um, so I've had games and board yeah. games. Yeah, board games are fine. Yeah, board games and books, but uh, yeah, figures and things that are very specific. Yeah. You know, no, you have to you have no, to ask. The, the margin margin of error is just too yeah. wide. Get me some British Napoleonics. Oh, you've got me the wrong scale. Oh, you've got me Waterloo <laughs> campaign, not Peninsula. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Ridley Scott version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, one for Ian here. Uh, Steve H on Twitter said, can you ever have enough flags? No, <laughs> more than me, yeah. <laughs> Easy answer. Easy answer. That. Uh, and what, I'll, what I'll do now is um, I'll, just, I'll just bring up something else um, that came during the course of this. I asked on a number of social media things. Um, for questions. Um, and can you ever have enough flags? That's a reasonable question. Never mind that. Mm. But on threads, I got one question. And that question was, where did you get those flags about the unit I put posted on the thing? Which which is a shit <laughs> question for the podcast, isn't it? You, you've, 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 not, you've not read. Yeah, yeah, but you've you, not read the you've instructions. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see the questions out there. It, I, it needs I don't to be want to say because they weren't Ian's because they were they were cavalry. All oh, right, cavalry right. <laughs> they, were, they were before Ian had started. Another creating, flag manufacturer. Yeah. Before, ah, it's Pete's yeah, flags. Pete's flags. Yeah, that's good flags. Right, uh, Andy Rawson. Hello, Andy, uh, on Twitter. Um, he says, first of all, he says, "Merry Christmas to the Binyard Bunch." Like that. What wargaming trends do you predict for 2024? Scales, eras, 3D printing, anything really? The one I keep getting told to do Ooh. and focus on is Italian wars. Is it? Why is <laughs> yeah, that? I've been told um, from one of the the authors. Um, well, editors of one of the book companies. Oh yes, I, I know who that is. It's going to be. He's got a, he's, a feeling that it's going to be popular. Big, so, it's already yeah. big and popular here. 
obviously. Yeah. So, and it isn't part of the Wars of the Roses, and pipe blocks are more than twelve figures. It's not big. <laughs> any big anniversaries coming? Yeah, Pavia, Pavia, twenty twenty five. Big, not that. I mean, I mean, in general, yeah. anything else that's going to drive. Maybe the hobby interest. I think I think a reduction in the number of instructions in Perry Miniatures box sets is <laughs> going to be it's going to be a big thing in twenty twenty. Well, after this, I think they'll if they're, if they're tuning in, they they will they will rethink their marketing I, strategy. I hope so. To... I hope so. I mean, within oh, two weeks of the first episode of this coming out, Warlord Games brought Epic Scale out. So, what can yeah, I say? Anything we are. What they call influencers. <laughs> That's what we are. That's what we are. Yeah, we're something. World War One, as you said, World War One's coming back in a bit, isn't it? Um, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I would have said, yeah. I think I've even just tonight, looking through, skimming through Twitter and uh, various social medias, I've noticed more First World War mm. things. And I think the guys at the WSS magazine are currently working on. Uh, putting together some forces, and I know Mark Backhouse has been playing quite a bit recently. But Sid's uh, trench boards, so I, I, yeah, that's my prediction. Is, is 2024 is a year of the First World War? Ian, have you, is there any new releases you can tell us about that are coming out next year for yourself? Um, not First World War flags, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with instructions. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> what way to put them if they go upside down or not? <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant if you put on your on your flag sheet writing up, up. writing this way. Glue this way, <laughs> this way up. Oh, um, now I had been looking at doing a new range. Um, I got some samples recently. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't, I've not. You've not pulled the trigger. No, I, I wasn't. I've actually just finished printing them out. So they are 3D printed versions. Normally I, I change them into metal. And it is a brand new range for me. Um, but I'm not 100% no, on board. I was just wanting something because, as I say, I, I'm always looking Every, the ranges that I always want to do is something I want to do for myself mm. and then I was just looking I'd give huge brief for free free examples that I wanted and I just wanted to see it and get instantly sold yeah. on the, the figures and I got them and I kind of went they look good but oh. not quite yeah yeah so I'm, I'm not too sure yeah there's, there's more stuff coming out so we've got the Kickstarter mm. coming in February so that'll be and then there's a few new That's things. The, is that, is that the Border Evil one, the Kickstarter, with the new... Yeah, yeah, the last one we did. Mm. So Cerisa are going to deliver that for us in February. Um, and then, then try to focus on the, the the rules, more like the updates to the rules, yeah. wanting to do things for them, the kind of supplements rather than continuously... It's, it's trying to support the game, no more scenarios... Mm. More factions. <laughs> no. Nah, more introduce more things to the rules in terms of what they can do, campaigns, etc., um, and even into other theaters. Mm. No, I've certainly had an interest in moving things over into um, like the new world, mm. like for Sir Francis Drake oh, and all right. that. And cool. uh, 
like South America and stuff. So I think it would be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not nothing huge figure wise. I've got loads coming out with the Jacobites mm. and stuff as well. Um, I've actually, well, did I not show you? No, I've not seen you since. Uh, partisan, second I'd... partisan was last time I saw you. <laughs> Yeah, I you had some figures, figures on the on the display. Showing, yeah, I've not I've not released mm. them yet. I still need to get them painted. Mm. So yeah, some stuff for the war washing successions with the the the, the grassons mm. and stuff. So if everyone wants to get into war washing succession, yeah, jump yeah. on board. <laughs> that's that's going to be the war gaming trend for twenty twenty four. There you go. Forty eight figure first. units. Um, <laughs> loads of loads flags. of flags. It'll be brilliant. It'll be brilliant. Uh, Paul Bryanton on Twitter. Uh, really looking forward to listening to the latest episode of Brews in the Binyard. Sorry we've disappointed you, Paul. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was interested if you guys had any tips for building trenches for a Napoleonic Waterloo battlefield scene. Yeah, I think we covered this one. <laughs> yeah, number one, don't uh, read a book. We've 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 done Twitter. We're on to Facebook now. Uh, my good friend Stephen well, Barker. Um, where do you sit in the complex simulation versus playability question? The rules. I I love complexity. I love tables. I love mathematical calculations. I love working out percentages and fractions and polynomials the the question oh, here sure. is does com, does complexity actually i saw steven's uh, question on uh, yeah. wherever facebook mm. or whatever does complexity mean it is a, a simulation can not simplicity also be a simulation mm-hmm. but with other means it could be but once you take for me <laughs> once you start taking away <laughs> levels of complexity see what i did there um <laughs> then it becomes you, you, once you get to a realm where impossible things can happen then mm. you've gone too far you've gone too far <laughs> you know, well, a, well i'm a, not talking a about type that. of gun I'm... firing a weapon will go through a type of armor at a range it's it's physics it's not look it is, but those they are then also done on the ranges. So that's mm. that's something like on a Sunday afternoon when they're testing a gun, firing at say a piece of armor. It will, yes, always, generally always penetrate that armor. Mm. Let's say for the Second World War, firing anti-tank gun to tank, uh, specific tank anti-tank gun will go through a specific tank because that's what mm. they're designed to do. However, on the battlefield, things are very different. To when you're training and you've got a clear shot nothing is moving mm. nothing else is happening you're not getting fired at there's all these other things so there's thousands more factions that could uh, no factions yeah. sorry <laughs> there's a thousand more <laughs> uh, facets that come in it was close facets factions there's a thousand more facets that come in at which force the which will force things to become slightly mm. random because you get it all the time, you know, like a tiger tank fired at a Sherman and it glanced off because it just didn't hit it mm. in the right place. Or, you know, uh, a, a boy's anti-tank rifle fired at a, at a tiger, hit it on the track, uh, jammed the track up, crew abandoned it. You know, these things happen. They're not impossible, 
but they are the percentage chance of them happening is low but they're not impossible so i think you can still abstract things out and still have it as a simulation but you don't have to have that complexity mm. into it if yeah. that makes sense i think it's very got very serious it very did. quickly it did <laughs> God knows how. um for me once once you step once you start to step away with your abstraction and it it no longer as we were talking about earlier on um with rules seven years war napoleonic things once it steps out of that thing where realistic things are happening that's when i have a problem with it is that you know it's a great game but is it a reflection that's a good word a reflection of the of the period and the tactics and the weapons because once you start ignoring that and just go six and you're dead it is well this is where that's where the thing comes in where it's you, you, you i think we mentioned it earlier is a game should reward you by if you play the right tactics yeah mm. if if you just say for example uh you know you, the O group, for example, if you just send in each of your platoons on an individual basis, you're going to get your arse handed to you. If you use them tactically, as should be used, you know, in a battlefield of the Second World War, you will hand your arse, the arse mm. to the enemy because you're doing the right thing, and it's re the game is rewarding you for doing that. The game should allow you to do all the different things you want to do, but the stuff that is right is the thing that you know that's the, the is the key to the tactics of the time. And I think that's that's the interesting part of it. I think that's to me that's more of the simulation of it when you're using right tactics. I suppose I suppose it's a you know part your interest as an engineer. I'm interested in the the nuts and bolts and the yeah, yeah. and the um, you know meters per second, feet per second of a of a gun shell yeah. and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and for me, over the years, we've gone from ridiculously complex. And then we've mm -hmm. gone over my sweet spot, and we're now fucking down here somewhere. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say. I think all you've done is you've kind of they, the, the the games have sped up a little bit from taking away from that, you know, the complexity of all the the, the tables and things. And I think it's a case of uh, you know to speed the, the game up and to keep people. Interested. Are they complex? You see, you've got a table, and then you've got a number in your head, and then you, you're adding ones and twos and then you're taking off ones and twos most of it you can do on your fingers you don't need a lightning quick mathematical brain you're not oh give me the third differential of that you're going it's a six to hit plus one because you're in cover minus one because you're close range it, yeah it's uh, yes no is that, they're, they're not being complex elitist? but i don't i think Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> most, most rules kind of cover what you're saying yeah. there, kind of, I would say. But they do it in, in the dice rolls, don't they, rather yeah. than rather than the actual... Sometimes you know, simplicity kind of... can be quite frustrating in terms of... Like, <laughs> the simple actions can't be completed because of it's, it's down mm. to chance. Um, I've had that... I remember playing a game years ago in French Indian Wars and I couldn't get a, a unit out of a burning building. And they all died, <laughs> and I was like, "What? What? What the hell? How? How? Why? Why were these guys just standing about waiting for the building to build them down rather than clambering out?" And yeah, they all died because the building was set on fire. <laughs> well, the thing is, there you can you can you can narrate that to turn that into a narrative in that they were all panicking. 
They couldn't find the door. Smoke is filling the place. Yeah, I get that. can't see what they're doing. But I was and telling them to get out. I was telling them to get out. <laughs> from a game point of view, yes, it's incredibly frustrating. But narratively, it's quite actually interesting in that, you know, this is something that would go down in history. Mm. You know, this is something that happened. You know, people did die in burning buildings. So, you know, it's not something that is impossible. It's just something that you didn't mm. like happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But then I suppose that depends on what you like out of a game. If you want to, you know, if you want the, if you want the narrative of the game, or if you're happy to to play with the mm. narrative. I mean, I'm these days. I'm more I'm more interested in what happens in the game than whether I win or mm. whether I lose. And I think you know stuff like that. If something like that happened in my yeah. game, I'd, I'd be frustrated. But I also think it was funny in that, you know, it's something that I couldn't control. It's outside of my control. And it's just like right at the end of it, it's like, oh, remember that time the house burned down and all the lads died in it because they were all stupid. Yeah, well, that, is, that is memorable. Um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's one of these things, it's, it all depends on who you're playing with and everyone. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're yeah. playing with the people that enjoy the exact same things as you, crack on and yeah, do it. Yeah. That's it. No, he's like the, the complexity of various yeah, yeah. charts. That's what he's enjoying, man. Just do it. I don't, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Um, yeah. Again, it goes back to something we said before, isn't it? Really, it's, it doesn't matter. It's a game. If you enjoy mm. playing it, play it however you want to play yeah. it. As long as everybody else around you is playing it and enjoying it at the same same pace and, and timing. Yeah. Yes. Weirdos. <laughs> I mean, to me, you know, I think the thing. What I uh, this is something I thought about quite a lot recently. Is again, is for me, complexity doesn't have to be about you know the 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 complexity of a simulation like you know looking at different angles of tanks and and armor and armor plating the complexity to me is is complexity in choice so games where you only have a certain amount of choice to do things so like say for example group to mention that again you have a certain amount Mm. of orders you have more units than you have orders so you have to make a choice as to what units are going to do stuff after you're given that order, it doesn't really matter what they're doing. They're trying to do the best they can because, you know, they're at such a level. And it's the complexity of giving those order out, orders out is the thing that interests me most because that is the bit that you're thinking about mm-hmm. in the game, not the, you know, what is the uh, the angle of that armour of that Sherman tank versus my mm-hmm. Tiger tank. It can, be, it can be difficult. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult um, line to place of where you get to a point where the complexity drops away or the detail drops away and you're then playing a game that could be set in any period of time. And I find this, the higher up you go with command levels is, you know, if you're playing a campaign as a core commander in the ACW, is it that different from being a core commander in Napoleonic times? Pre-railways, probably not. Um, So I'd like to get down to that level where you're the, the, things on the battlefield you know forming square in napoleonics or or what other you know breach loading rifles in acw where that level of detail affects the fighting and that gives me the period flavor okay silent i'm i totally agree with you (laughs) no i actually really agree with you because but i think most games that i probably experienced in bigger scale kind of cater for mm. a lot of those kind of factors um probably more more of the smaller skirmish games that you stay away from you know don't 
Oh, it's, it's a frozen. Probably... Having hours of the card after this. <laughs> 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 so they're probably at that, that level, kind of move away from Somebody it. Somebody said the S word. Two two words banned <laughs> on this show. Uh, right. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for that. Um, Aaron Thomas, Facebook. Whenever I start thinking about my next project, I get a thousand ideas in my head and want to do them all at once. Do you have voodoo magic to help you decide your next project or are you never that split on an idea? Yeah. Uh, one scale, three periods. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Done. I I have, I, yeah, I have loads of stuff bouncing around my head as well, Aaron, and uh, I just don't pull the trigger on it. That's the thing. Um, and something yeah. will spark something um, usually completely random. The Italian Wars of Independence started from a, a conversation with Von Kettering and VK on um, episode six of this uh, about the one unit I wanted to paint that I'd never had and didn't have a reason to. Um, which was the uh, St. Patrick's Battalion uh, from the um, Resorgimento, the Irish Volunteers for the Pope. Bought that unit, paid it up, thought, fucking, that looks brilliant, that. Let's do a massive powder. <laughs> so it's it's potluck <laughs> for me. Something will trigger, um, and I'll go, yeah, I'm going to do that. A bit like, a bit like the... Uh, the uh, instructions in a Perry's miniatures box. Something will trigger me. <laughs> <laughs> Easily, Easily triggered. triggered. Uh, yeah, I I generally don't stray really out of the things that I'm very interested in. So that would be those three periods. I say, you know, I'm looking at Vietnam for 2024, but that's only because I've mm. looked at it in the past. You know, it's something I'd like to go back to, uh, and it's something I never felt I'd, I did properly when I was a kid. So I'd like to give it another bash, and it's just something that's slightly different and interesting that you know, has held my interest for years. So I, I, I'm not really a wargaming yeah. butterfly, really. Yeah, I'm a bit of a butterfly because I've got I'm quite a, a people please in terms of we can be talking as friends at the club or whatever and somebody could just mention a, a set of new rules and you're like, next thing you know, you've just got a box of figures <laughs> for it. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> but that was recently the new contact front rules came out, mm. Modern War. Fair yeah. ones, and I've jumped in with that and bought a whole load of the the White Dragon mm. British and the, the Afghans. Yeah, so <laughs> I need to try and get them painted, but I'm still trying. To, I'm still aiming for my Battle of Falkirk. That's still yeah. my main priority. But what makes you what what what? Well, just say in either area, what keeps you keeps you on the Falkirk thing? Is it just just it's the interest? It's, in it anyway? it's, it's obviously one of the main reasons with the Jacobite range, try to focus on getting yeah. every unit done for the Battle of Falkirk. Uh -huh. I've kind of given myself twenty, well, twenty twenty six will be one of the anniversaries of the battle. Right. I could try and put on. Well, you're working towards something that's a bit easier, then, isn't it? Yeah, that will probably be the aim. Yeah. Cool. Um, how many projects do you tend to have on the go at once? Ian, thousands. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's lots of it's lots of smaller games. I've got I've got lots of range. I've got lots of figures for different games. So I'm all, normally I'm just mm. adding stuff to them to try and bulk them out so I can play. 
you know, improve all my games, like my French Indian War stuff. I love French Indian War, so I'm just, I've got loads to that, but then somebody will bring out something new, and I'm like, right, yeah. I need them, get them added, or I need a new unit, or whatever. Mm. I used to be, I used to flit about a bit and have two or three on the go at once and do one unit from one and then one unit from another. Um, but I've kind of backed myself into a corner with agreeing to do display <laughs> games, so... The Italian Risorgimento, I've got to finish it by the 2nd or 3rd of February, whenever it is for York. And then I've committed to do Narvik at Salute in 25. So I've got a shitload of boats and a shitload of train to do for that. So that's me sorted. And I'm just kind of trying to... I've got more Italian Wars and more Crusades I want to do. But um, I need to stick to stuff that is going to be done at a show at a certain date and time. I, I kind of paint in, I don't really do projects like that. I don't do a big thing. I kind of paint bits and pieces from other mm. things, but they're all kind of tied in together. So the, the stuff that I recently finished was some Indian pattern armored cars for Malaya, 1942, uh, a paddy field for Vietnam, because I'm just trying to get some more terrain together. Uh, I'm working on a Normandy house, the Second World War. Uh, so it's like you know, it's it's all it's all kind of like you know mid twentieth century stuff, but all mm. completely different theatres within that. And I just kind of do you know little bits and pieces as I feel as I feel interested in them. So I don't really. Uh, it's a little bit like butterflying because I don't really do it as a project, but I'm just adding to existing things. You know, I'm not I'm not saying right. I'm going to do you know everything's going to be Indian for Sing- Indians for Singapore. And that's all I'm doing, because I've done some. I'll do some others later on. I'll get some mm. other bits and pieces in and things. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of, when it comes to painting, I flit about a bit just to keep things interesting. But then on occasion, I'll sit down and just do a chunk of stuff and just go right. Okay, there's a French platoon <laughs> for the First World War. But I'm done. Uh, so Aaron, Aaron's continued um, with a statement, and this is an interesting one. Avocado can't be posh mushy peas because you don't put avocado on pies or peas on toast. Well, I don't know if you saw recently, but somebody has released a recipe. Yes, a recipe for peas on toast. Well, I'm surprised that people haven't had peas on toast in the past. I mean, it's only beans on toast, they're just green. Yeah. But I hate peas anyway, so I want them on toast or anything. Yeah, it's not or mushy or any other way. Mushy is even worse. So how to make something terrible make it even worse? Well, it's the, the, somebody sent me the recipe, and it's all it's all like mozzarella cheese and and slivers of chili and all. It. It's like it's fucking peas on toast, toast peas <laughs> on top of the toast. <laughs> Sounds disgusting. I like peas. Peas on toast. If peas on toast does exist. What about peas in our time? Oh, very good. Very good. Like that. The right. pipes of peas. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, before we turn it's in... Christmas. We turn in, before we, <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd done bad puns at the start with me, Cliff Richard thing. Okay, <laughs> now. Right, I, and then um, Aaron says... A head full of it. He's, he's got a request from Aaron, Aaron, um, from Aaron. My mate Chad has had a really rough year and he loves your show. Uh, so, big shout out to chad um are you able to give him a shout out 
just done it with some Yorkshire pills of wisdom. <laughs> Fucking, they don't want them. Uh, I'll let him know. It's, his it's buddy three Aaron, hours of them. Yeah, let, let him know. Let him know his buddy Aaron is keen to uh, do more games in the new year. So, yeah, Chad, all the best, mate. Um, Wargaming is a fantastic hobby to uh, lighten your mood, to get really good mates and to have a great laugh and fun with and have friends for life. So uh, you're in the right hobby, mate, and you're listening to the right podcast. Boom, you've done it. There you go. Mic drop. Perfect. (laughs) Can't ask for more than that, can you? You can't. Jeffrey Smith, similar to one we've had before, um, if given an unlimited budget and assuming the same number of bases for the army or battle that you were replaying, would you ever consider replacing 28 mil figures for a smaller scale? Same size forces, mass effect. No, I'd have bigger 28 mil forces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as, as a predominantly 15 mil person, I don't need to replace anything, do I? I've already got me small scale, exactly. so I'm all right. Exactly. So, yeah. Thanks for the question, Jeffrey, but meaningless in my world. In your world, yeah. Uh, and for me, <laughs> I have done with my 10 mil um, Malburian. I've done 10 mil Malburian, but on the same size basis as 15 mil Malburian, just with more figures. <laughs> That's how it should be done. That's how, it, and it, sometimes I never get when you see people doing smaller scales but doing them at the same ratio that people do at 28 mil <laughs> yeah I, I love a you know italian i'm not i'm not a massive six mil fan but if somebody did italian wars in six mil with you know huge four five hundred figures in a pipe block and that oh that'd get the juices going juices more than yeah. more than a lithuanian lady on twitter that'd get me juiced <laughs> that would oof, love it <laughs> Right, uh, we are rattling through them, which is good. Um, Simon Stokes on Facebook. Which of you is the most jammy when it comes to in-game dice rolls? Not me. Ah, me rubbish. neither. Yeah, me neither. Just when I need it, it never never turns up. Does it? Do the, but that's part of the fun, though, isn't do it? Do the dice gods never... Being crap. Are you not sacrificing the right animals to the dice gods? Nah, I can't even win my own game. <laughs> Written the rules and you can't win. You know the rules? <laughs> yeah, my dice, my dice rolls are just terrible. Oh. I have to say, when these are, these are, um, Leeds War Games Club has a curse of the chairman, and that chairman uh, always run, rolls really bad dice. And I was chairman for a, a couple of three years a long time ago, and my dice rolls were shite while I was chairman. Uh, and I seem to have come out of the other side now and i would say that i'm fair to middling i can you know i can knock it out of the park every now and again um mm. especially with when you need yeah especially with the weighted dice obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll just get my special dice out for yeah, this if i need to if I need, <laughs> if I need to win big i've got my special dice that uh-huh. always roll yeah. i want them. <laughs> Excellent. So right. So you two are coming round for a game then, so I can win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll win. Excellent. Yeah. Um, you will. You will table us, as the kids say. Tabling. I tabled them. <laughs> What's the fun in that? You've set your figures yeah. up, and then somebody just kills them all, and you've not done anything. Yeah. I. Yeah. Where's the narrative? Yeah. I go. You die. Is the mm-hmm. new. Um, <laughs> is the new <laughs> movement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I agree you would die. <laughs> right. Um, 
Oh, rattling through, rattling through. Jonathan Jones on Facebook, one for Ian this. What's the appeal of oversized flags? And is it a compensation thing? <laughs> I think it's just a, a look on the table. I don't go as big as the League of Augsburg guys do, mm. like Barry Hilton. He goes really big. But yeah, it means are a little bit more heroic. It just looks better. Yeah. I think. I don't know. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same if figures have like if you look at figures and they've got true like if they were true to scale mm. they just don't always look right they need to be a little bit more chunkier in certain mm. parts and i think it's just the same with the flags i've did flags at true scale and you put them on and it just doesn't look right and some of the like the french battalion fannians are absolutely tiny aren't they they were on yeah. a little rod that stuck in the end of a rifle mm -hmm. so yeah you know, in 28 mil, they're going to be smaller than a postage stamp. They're going to be absolutely tiny. And it's even even some of the detail you can lose so much detail the smaller mm. you go. So like 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 if you were to go true scale in some of the French Napoleonic flags, it would be like no point in writing mm. much on them. Yeah. <laughs> Just say yeah, that's who that's who it's. It, how can you say mm. it's not their flag? I, I think <laughs> some, something I found doing. Um, the Italian stuff recently, the Risorgimento, is that people haven't got a clue about the period. So when they're coming and they're playing a game, if you've got a big French flag on the unit, you can go, those French troops over there, or those Italian troops, or the Papal States with the yellow and white flags. People can see from a distance, and because the flags are slightly bigger, from a game-playing perspective, and I use... Yeah. I use um, the different types of Italian flags of the period for brigades. So the commander will have a flag and all the four units in his brigade will have that same flag. And then you have a slightly different one with the Bur Bourbon coat of arms on, and that will be the next brigade uh, and so on. Um, and I find that that slight twisting of history, not putting trenches in Waterloo, but that slight twisting of history adds to gameplay because people can use them as markers on the table mm. yeah yeah well, it's like yeah whatever helps you identify the unit isn't yeah, it or a new person it's identify the same with the um you get guys that will comment that american war independence the, a lot of the british regiments supposedly never took the, the colors into the field so what do we do? Just not have any flags? <laughs> just have loads of figures? Yeah. It just looked rubbish, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, everyone has their own limit of authenticity, don't they? Um, and sometimes yeah. I, I bend and twist things to improve the game or make the game easier for me. Um, you know, because a lot of... It's like the amount of uh, eagles, isn't yeah. it, on a, uh, French eagles on a in a Napoleonic mm. army, you know, there's about 50 times more in a, in a wargaming army than there ever actually was, you know, but it's because they look good, you know, yeah. so you do it, you, you just do it, you know. Mm. Uh, I found it particularly with the, just not quite flags, but with with detail on the World War One, sorry, the World War Two ships, the big ones that I've done. Oh, you've got the wrong radar on that for November 1941. <laughs> and it's like, fuck off. It's taken me a week to build that. I'm not building 15 of them. Oh, I need Prince Eugen from December 1941. Here we go. Oh, I need it. For, I need Prince Eugen from 19. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go down to my warehouse in 
in Leeds and pick up. Yeah, pull the right the one the right one ship out just for this one game. You'd have to have like an Amazon automatic robot going around. And you, yeah. Can I have Prince Eugen from December the fourteenth, nineteen forty-two, please? Did you get any of that with the the Italian stuff with them saying that? That's the wrong uniforms because obviously you're just using like American Civil War stuff. Not that many because <laughs> most people don't know anything about it. And that's that's All a right. top tip, kids. If you're gonna keep away the um, trolls on internet, do something that people know fuck all about, and then you can go <laughs> yeah, right. Uh... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, prove, prove me wrong. Because Garibaldi, I get, I, Garibaldi I get it. You like, was, um, you sound like Ridley Scott when he was saying that you know historians yeah. weren't there, so they how do well, they? Gar- know? Garibaldi was never a nation, so you know if you've got Neapolitan or, or Piedmontese or whatever, they've got <laughs> it's his biscuit. They've got records of things. Whereas Garibaldi just fucking stole it or borrowed it or you know he, he he wasn't a state that raised taxes that generated paperwork that they can research he turned up with a load of guy we've got a red shirt yeah right put it on you got a musket no go and steal one <laughs> works for me anyway that's flags um mark hides uh who was on episode uh, 46 i think um if you had one lucky dice and it was round would you use it <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a question more for you that one Ken well I can say safely having been given a round dice that I couldn't use it because it never lands on a fucking number <laughs> they never do do they I've got one kicking about somewhere they're just absolutely useless it rolls around and then it comes up and it's never ever ever on a number it's just between two numbers no. so I'd love to Mark but ones that land on numbers don't exist no. Uh, would you ever consider buying f- figures from the other place? And if you did, was it a treasonable offence? If somebody, if somebody in Lancashire was going to sell you some figures, would you would you buy them? <laughs> yeah. You don't, 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 what we, what we, could, we could do? We could do a border <laughs> reavers. We could raid. <laughs> we raid could them. raid them. We could go over the border. Thanks. Like, and just take them. Take them. Well, the thing is, you. Yeah, I mean, you're taking him off them, aren't you? So it doesn't matter, yeah. you know. You're removing something of, of, of pleasure from them, so you know they're they're going to be upset about it. So you, so good, you know, works works both ways. You're you're putting pleasure into your life and taking pleasure out of mm. their lives. So works for me. Yeah, we could yeah, take anything. We you could want leave them some Yorkshire tea bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, you know, like go yeah, yeah, like, going like, into a country and leaving some glass beads and taking the. All Absolutely, the mineral yeah, rights, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, it works for nobody. Nobody got upset about that, did they? Well, no. right. <laughs> uh, one for me, probably. A serious question: What book or books can you recommend as an introduction to the Italian Wars? Just started a period with the Spanish, and that's from Simon Neat. You two guys are looking. Absolutely, com- no, no idea. idea. Um, no idea. Get the. It's, it's old now, but Sir Charles Oman did a series uh, of books um, on, you want the, the last one in the medieval series that covers the kind of Swiss-Burgundian Wars and the start of the Italian Wars, and then the first Renaissance one. Um, they're old, um, but they give you a really nice overview of the battle. Um, 
of the battles in the period. And then once you've got your head round that, because it is really, really complicated and everyone stabs each other in the back and, and it's <laughs> Machiavelli <laughs> was right. Um, and everyone ends up fighting against everyone, which is one of the great things because you have an army, it can always fight. You can always find an opponent. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Ian Fuller from uh, Facebook. Hello, Ian. Any idea where the where that six mil tank turret I dropped has gone? I swear it disappeared before it hit the ground. <laughs> Have you ever inexplicably inexplicably lost kit to the wargaming vortex or twilight zone? Oh, all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's hey, there's probably about three or four armies down there. To be honest, all over the carpet. I just can't find them. It's an the worst one is um, if you're, especially with the flags, is cutting down the, the flagpoles and you lose the, the bit. Yeah, the unwanted. And then you can't find it and then your feet your feet will find it oh. later on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah I, just, I just lost some Indian crewmen for my uh, armoured cars. I was cutting them off the, uh, the 3D printed. I was cutting them off the, the mm. stands and went flying off. Never to be seen again. What can I do have with you ever, that? Have you, ever, have you ever seen or watched Curse of Skidwalker Ranch? No. No. Oh, it's like a it's like no, a UFO no. thing on history. Um, but they 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 think they 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 think there's like these portals where things disappear, like aliens and uh, oh, so, yeah. So there might be a portal in every war gamer's room somewhere. You, no, I think it's just a carpet. And it's not, not a portal. Yeah. I, I, I had one once when I was making HMS Hood where uh, one of the turrets pinged off, landed on my dog, who then proceeded to run outside into the garden for a week. <laughs> and it took me about two hours to find the turret. And it's not, it's not something you can leave off. You know, if it was a little anti-aircraft. We're doing we're doing a fine fingertipped search across the garden. <laughs> I got the lads from work out with the sticks and a couple of search dogs. Well, this is far more important. Yeah. Come on, stop that body you're looking for. Come and find us to it. Drop whatever you're doing. Uh, so, yes, Ian, it does appear that it happens to absolutely everyone. Oh, oh God, yeah. Dear. Um, right. Uh, so, ooh. Don't know whether this one will go down well. Steve Evans, Facebook. I've um, If you had, had to, if you had to play a fantasy war game, what would it be? And would you go big battle or skirmish? Don't when I play as Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I've, I have got a Rohim um, but army for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'd probably go on Lord of the Rings because it's the closest to historical. But I'd also, I don't mind having a bash at um, old school war and a fantasy battle because, you know, mm. when we were kids, we used to play it and we'd never have enough figures to, you know, that that it looked like in the book, yeah. uh, second edition, you know, those beautiful colour mm. photos and massive battles. I'd like to do that, you know, with really big, uh, I, I think probably like two two turns into the game, I'd go, this is absolute shite, why am I playing this? But, you know, at least I'd like to get it set up and get ready uh, but, and, and make it look like what I always wanted in my head to make it look like. They're bringing that back, aren't they? With the old hammer yeah. stuff, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, yeah, old mm. hammer's always been a, a bit of a uh, an underlying thing, hasn't it? And doing well, that was like when I'd went when we did Chilcon a few years ago, mm. 
few of the guys that I went with, they were quite into the fantasy stuff and we went to Games Workshop and I never had much interest mm-hmm. in it. But it was the it was the older stuff that I when I seen all like the Bretonians yeah. and it yeah. was more like Renaissance battles. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Oh, this looks actually quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the one of the guests yeah. and one of the guys who asked a question before Mark Hides, he's kind of going back into that old school um not non-specific fantasy um, figures in 28s. And they do look good. Mass yeah. battles, they do look great. I'm, a friend of mine, Pete Clayton, mm. um, him and his brother used to do massive Lord of the Rings games. And I remember seeing them and they had huge yeah. eagles and everything all, all over the place, which, I mean, it looked brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very impressive, mm. isn't it? But yeah, I think like we we, we are in a fantasy battle in particular. I mean, the clunkiness of the rules would just completely slow everything down. But mm. just to revisit it, you know, yeah. as a as a fantasy, a fantasy of a fantasy. Uh, very true. <laughs> um, on to Instagram now, and we're on the final page. Um, Rush, have you ever played a? <laughs> oh, thank God, a, played a war games campaign that actually came to a conclusion. And if so, what it was it, and what period? Oh, if so, what was it? And also, is there a period you would like to run an ongoing campaign for? Um, yes, uh, me and my pal Dex down at the uh, the club we played the recently played twenty nine Let's Go Chain of Command um, campaign to conclusion, and we played the first part of the Curse campaign to conclusion. We're currently working on the second part. I played them solo. I played Malaya solo. I think the thing with with campaigns, I don't know if you guys would agree. I think. I think those pint-sized campaigns that the Lardies do have got it yeah. right, mm. where you're about six games in. Any more than that, you start to flag a little bit, you know. And it's uh, I think you really have to be very focused, and it has to be over relatively mm. quick, because they can go on and they can drag yeah. on. And I think that's probably what he's, he's hinting out there. Yeah, Ian, does the is the border reavers like a campaign thing? I've got a campaign book coming yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there's the big thing and. About you controlling your family, um, most your faction. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of the games that I've ever really completed are kind of small scale games like Paul Pally and stuff, more mm. narrative type campaigns that try to tell a story like Indiana Jones or whatever mm. kind of thing. Um, not really completing the, the bigger, the bigger ones. I think that's what you need, isn't it? A campaign needs to be a, a lot more narrative, doesn't it? Because that's what keeps you interested. Like when you're following a particular character within the within the army or something, you know, they, they start to develop their own characters in the games, and I think that that really helps. Was, um, Aaron Johnson at the Preston Pans um, Museum, he did a really interesting campaign, but he did it online. Mm. And he allowed the people to determine the next move. Okay. So, but he did the Jacobites coming mm. into England, and basically that was the, the whole idea was where where do we go? And it would it would lay out options, and then see uh, how it and see how it played out. And that was how they tried to do the game. Uh, sounds like a good mm. idea. Nice way of getting people engaged in it as well. Mm. Yeah, I think I think those structured campaigns, which is you know like link scenario campaigns, are so much easier to complete and so much easier to do than the old school like open ended campaigns that you know we used to do them and you'd be sending out search planes and stuff like that and they'd get and then somebody wouldn't turn up for two weeks and you'd forget yeah. what the fucking you know, hell you were doing and we did a um, a chase the Yamato. Uh, game 
with that method and we we got to a conclusion um and that's the only time i've ever had one of those open-ended ones come to a conclusion Mm. but the stuff that like you're talking about the um there's a, a company called decision games in the states they do really detailed and complicated um with charts um linked rules linked campaign games for <laughs> naval and we used to do one every easter uh, and they were brilliant really really good it took a lot of the work out of it because it's all and it was like the old ian livingston fantasy games so you'd like if this happens go to one if this happens, yeah yeah you know if you decide to send your own adventure yeah so it, i love those and they work really really well mm. Yeah, I think you you definitely have a you have to have an end point on them, don't you? Open ended campaigns can just they can eventually, like you say, if somebody doesn't turn up for a couple of weeks, it'll completely kibosh the entire thing. And if other people that start losing enthusiasm, it's just you've got to you've got to maintain it. Cool. Right. So we'll rattle through these last ones, one or two word answers to get to the end, and we're we're nearly done. I don't I don't want to leave people. Who've asked a question out, if you know what I mean. That's fair enough. Uh, Chagorian Drift on Insta says, which historical period de- deserves more exposure? Italian First World War. War. First World War. <laughs> Jack War Austin Succession. Oh, War of Austin. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Mark Smythe, uh, 71 on Insta. What has kept you in the hobby? I've got fuck all. I like Wargaming. Yeah. <laughs> Wargaming and the friends I've made. Yeah. yeah. It's cheaper than... Yeah. Drink and prostitutes, Absolutely. but not much. Well, it depends no. on who you're buying from. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, the, yeah. I suppose Lithuanian prostitutes are cheaper, are they? I don't know. I've not really. I was meant to who you're buying your who you're buying your figures from. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Ian. I got uh, anyway, if anyone does know me, exchange weight with the Lithuanian, whatever it is, let me know. God, I hope the wife doesn't listen to this one. Right. Uh, so, yes, uh, friendship and um, the, uh, I mean, I've, I've talked with me- about mental health with uh, Henry in the past, mm. and it really helps me come away from the job that I do. And, yeah. and just forget mm-hmm. about the stuff that I've done and seen. So that that's probably one of my main reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, friendship, just enjoying the games and yeah, exactly. the camaraderie of it all. Speaking to a couple of idiots for three hours on the fucking internet. <laughs> I mean, who'd do that? Who'd spend their Monday night doing that? Oh god. So will be thirty nine on Instagram. Who we've answered this before, me and you, Alex. This this is one for. Okay. Uh, here to sort out. I'm getting tired. Who would play you in the biopic of your life? Sean Bean. <laughs> Who would play me? Alex, you, we've done this before. Who did you go for? I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember who it was at all. Uh, I'll go with Whacking Phoenix. Whacking Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> good, good historical likeness. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. May as well. He, he, did, he did Napoleon pretty well. I was always told the boy. It was a boy. It was in um, Peaky Blinders. The Tommy, uh, not um, the brother Arthur Shelby one. I've not watched Peaky Blinders. No, no, I watched it. Nah, just because he was so tall and ginger. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's all he was. (laughs) That's all. That's that's the requirement. All you need. That's all all you need. need. Was he Scottish though? Uh, No. No. He's a Londoner. 
and he's a Brummie in the, the TV series. So. Excellent. Oh, this one could... Um, oh, I'm not sure whether we could answer this one. Uh, 413 Holborn on the Insta... What historical period, if any, do you really want to game in but is morally unacceptable to others? Well, that's, it goes back to what I was um, saying about Contact Front. Mm. It's one of these ones. I actually played Moderns um, not that long ago. Oh, i not that long ago. A good number of years ago now. Um, with, I'm trying to remember the name of the rules of the Radio Dish Dash game. And it was actually quite a strange experience because I had a friend that was in Afghanistan at the time. And then there was I was playing the game and it was quite um yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy the experience. Don't know why I'm going back to it, but yeah, I'm trying to see if it's going to be a different experience this time, and that's probably one it was probably still quite a, a sore point at the time, too close. Mm. Um seen that with people like bringing out figures for Ukraine and stuff at the moment. You're like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, don't even, don't even. I mean, certainly when I first started in the 70s, late 70s, then um, Vietnam was a bit of a, yeah. ooh, no. Well, I've still got, I've seen I've seen a couple of people do it with the, the, the Troubles in Ireland. Yeah. It still seems to be quite one that people are kind of stay away from. But I do, I've got a a huge to both sides for the the nineteen twenty stuff, the Anglo Irish mm. War. Yeah. And even when I mention that people go, Oh, you couldn't put that on at a show or mm. no, it's still quite a sore point. And I was like, it was it's a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rivers run deep. Yeah, exactly. It's um it's an it's an interesting it's actually quite a, a deep and interesting question. I'm I never have I'm quite loose with my with my morals, as we've already found out. Um, but morally unacceptable, I don't know. Yeah, I think if something is morally unacceptable, whatever you know that is class does, then you're not going to do it anyway, are you? I mean, yeah, that, it's like, I, like Ian I says, you know, I'd, I'd feel a bit because I know a lot of Afghan veterans through mm. my work, and and I I'd feel a bit weird about doing ultra modern stuff, you know, in the last 10, 15, 20 years because. I know people have been affected by it and you kind of, you know, I'd, I'd find it questionable. So I, I just wouldn't play them. So I wouldn't want to play them either. You know mm. what I mean? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I know you're going back into your Afghan stuff here, but uh, I'm not saying that's morally questionable. I'm just saying, you know, from my point of view, the, if, if, if I think it's morally questionable, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to have a desire to do it either. Yeah, was it, was more, you know? it was driven by the, the, the figures more so. Um, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you know, I'm not making a point about you and you're doing your Afghan I, stuff. I, I'm you fully want. accepting that I, I may well play that game again and have the exact same experience mm. and, won't, yeah. and just won't, won't won't move, I'll just again. move on from it again. I've got quite um, a big Arab-Israeli setup, sort of mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Um, 83, 84, the Syrian war. Um, and would I feel comfortable taking that to a show at the moment? Probably not. But I would quite happily game it in my room because I, I'm gaming the historical actions. I'm not gaming what's happening now. Um, and something that's come up that comes up more now than certainly did when I was I was younger was is playing Germans and certainly the SS in World War Two, 
And that's never been an issue for me because I've always done historical scenarios. So if I'm playing the Battle for Khan when um, the 1st and 12th SS come in, if I'm playing that sector of the battlefront, the SS were there, so I'm playing them because it's historically correct rather than choosing to play them. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, that's a difference. I can it? see that. I can see that difference rather than me going to a tournament and going, right, I'm going to play with these SS figures and I'm going to put toss stickers all over them and I'm going to have them because yeah. they're really good at fighting. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't game the SS just out of my my wooden. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I have no problem playing against people or even buying figures. I just wouldn't paint them. I just have no real interest and in want to paint them. Um, I know I, I certainly questioned when I think it was a good number of years ago now. But Warlord brought out like the Charlemagne division, the French, yeah. and you go well. They were obviously driven by the the. the, the their own political beliefs. So if you were bringing them into the factor, I was kind of like, well, that's a bit, bit of an odd choice. Why did you pick them? Yeah. Well, I guess the thing with the Charlemagne, though, they were the ones that were defending the Reichstag, yeah. weren't they? The NC kind of gave you a man died, didn't they? Yeah. You could argue that they are scenario specific yeah. if you're doing 1945 mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, I don't have any SS figures in my, well, he's an extensive Second World War German collection. You know, I just uh, if I'm going to use SS in a specific scenario, then I just use the the other Wehrmacht I've got. I don't, I haven't, you know, created an SS platoon or anything like that. Yeah, no, no, it's because it's morally reprehensible. But just because I've not been bothered to, like you say, and it's just I'm not bothered about using them. I can just swap out the. There's not a great deal of difference between the SS and and the other max from for most part, part and, and they tended to, they tended to be because of the nature of the units they tended to be the schwerpunkt the the you know the 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 head in formations you know if you're going to fight the ardennes unless you do the the you know the bottom um prong with the second panzer division you you are mostly going to have ss troops um mm. you know and oh, we did that. We... We did a one of our guys at Glasgow District. He's right into the Balkan history, Balkan mm. Dave on Twitter, um, and we did a game at one of the shows, and it was the uh, raid on Tito, mm. yeah, in Yugoslavia. Yeah, um, but it was the uh, Falschmjegers that dropped in, mm. and then I it, it got me involved. So I was like, "Yep." Yeah. So I was painting up all these Falschmjegers, and then I started looking into the history, and it turned mm. out I think they were like the, the six Falschmjegers, mm. um, but they were a SS Penal Battalion, <laughs> and I was like, "What did these guys do that the SS what was wrong?" Didn't even want them. <laughs> um, like, like, there's a line, lads. There's a line. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's an entirely different level of naughtiness, isn't it? it is, there's guys, there's guys, they're sitting outside the head headmaster's office, having having. <laughs> Something wrong in class, and then there's being sent to yeah, an SS yeah. penal the battalion. Mm. You know, when the SS is sucking the teeth at somebody, <laughs> then you know that they, they must be really vile. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think it's, it's very much a personal choice, and, and different people yeah. will have different yeah. perspectives on things. And um, I mean, there was one game that I saw, and I think I've mentioned this before, it was in the eight, early 80s. Somebody had done a, uh, a Nazi death camp game, would you believe? And that was the only thing that I ever looked at and went, that's wrong. 
Yeah. And that was somebody did it yeah, a few yeah. yeah, somebody did it a few years ago and I think it was um um concentration camp people mm. figures. Yeah. You're like, no, uh, no. Yeah. Well, interestingly, there is a board game. Uh I can't remember the name of it, but it was it, it created a bit of a stir in, in board game uh like in Essen, I think mm. it was the, the, the big board game meetup there a few years ago and and it was what it was it was basically it was like a bit like ticket to ride but it was like you know you were building trains and you were forcing trying to get as many passengers onto these trains and it turns out that what you were playing was you were playing trains going to a concentration mm. camp yeah. for the players but the thing is the pull of the players it was it was about the morals of it and about the players you know playing to play the game to win it but then when they find out what it is it's like you know how do you process that it was more about you know how the uh how how the game makes you feel about these things and, and thinking about history from that point of view you know so it's not as though it's like you know uh jolly japes where you know you're trying to get people onto a train it's like until you knew what the actual reason of the getting them on the train was well, you were uh, not all, sure all what the outcome of that's going to be What's, what, yeah, the majority yeah. of the people are going to say that they felt really crap about it, unless you get it's one a, complete nut on it. Went, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, a really brilliant. shit surprise, isn't it? It's not like yeah. the end, <laughs> the end of the usual suspects where you don't know who Kaiser Sose is, or <laughs> or the crying game when it turns out to be a bloke. It, it's it's yeah. it's like oh. Oh, I've been moving people. Oh no! <laughs> you, that's you, the point. I mean, it's you've won, but it's, it's yeah, a one-hit wonder, won. though, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You couldn't do it again. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you'd you'd really know what's coming. But that's the point. I mean, it's make you know, it's the 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 moral, the morality of it is is making you think. You know, are you playing a game, or are you are you recreating history here, or what are you doing? There's lots of you know, it's it's a philosophical thing, which is very interesting, mm. I think. But um, you know, it doesn't translate to somebody doing a a concentration camp war game. No, we, I don't yeah. think you know because there's something and, particularly yeah. wrong with that. No. So and um, and some people just you know they they have no empathy at all and would not see a problem with that. Mm. They would see a oh, mechanical yeah, yeah. process and a challenge to meet, and mm. and not see the end game. And and you know I don't think those people are right by any stretch of the imagination. But no, no. And through my work, I have met those pe- type of people yeah, who. Yeah think in an entirely different way to what we do i mm. mean we've discussed before alex haven't we about historians and and how the histog historiography how the history of the history changes and i find that really difficult mm. to um to come to terms not to come to terms with but to work out because as a scientist and engineer i went to school at 14 and learned newton's laws of motion and i go into a courtroom today and newton's laws of motion are exactly the same they don't change mm. so mm-hmm. having history change <laughs> because it's interpreted different is quite difficult for me to understand um you know and this whole well this is why we have arts degrees and science degrees yeah exactly <laughs> One's engineering degree not science Proper degree, <laughs> but BNG Bachelor Engine sounds sounds like a cut edges, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I found that quite that quite difficult. You know, changes like oh, you can't call it the Dark Ages anymore. It's like well, it was Dark Ages when I was at school and when I did my O level history. <laughs> my Newton's first laws. Well, you can call same. it Dark Ages because it's it's a colloquialism, but you know it it doesn't mean what it meant. Can I just say? Can I just, can I just say something on the Dark Ages? Um, and this is I'm, I'm, this is me winning point. This is on Twitter. 
Michael Wood, the best historian in the world, said that he was going to such and such location to do a talk on the Dark Ages. <laughs> Michael Wood, I am Team Wood. Dark Ages, all yeah. the way. Mike, Michael Wood is history himself. You know, he's, he's that old. He's been around that long. He's brilliant. I love him. He's just so good. He could do. He could do. He could do a documentary on the internal trims of Austrian Allegros, nineteen seventy four to nineteen eighty two, <laughs> and I would watch it. And it, it would be interesting as well. And you'd watch it because he was doing it. <laughs> but it, we go back to the, the moral thing. It's have you ever seen? <laughs> but have you ever seen some of the stuff that David Mitchell's done? Yeah. Really like Mitchell and Webb, and he did the one with them wearing the uniforms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with the baddies. Yeah. Um, the bad yeah. guys. But have you ever seen the, he did one and he was talking about the Vikings and how we almost downplay today mm. what they did. Yeah. And he says, because we, we will willy nilly just say they went raping and pillaging. And then he's like, right, let's think about that. He's like, if. Like we put those two words together, and we're just kind of like, yeah, they just went out raping and pillaging. That's what they're doing. <laughs> what did we expect? <laughs> right? But he's like, yeah. But if your if your son was to come in, you say, what are you up to tonight? Oh, I'm going out raping and, and pillaging. And be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Or have you split the two words out? Yeah, my way out pillaging. Mm. No, you're not. Sit down. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like. Put things into context throughout history. It's maybe oh, yeah, some yeah, things are so yeah. close that we don't think about. Mm. Um, no, you certainly yeah, like some of the sieges during the Thirty Years' War, and they would just go in and absolutely wipe out the whole town. I mean, there was the, there was the classic one in the Crusades, wasn't there, where the um, the Crusader general killed the entire town, and when somebody said some of those are Christians, he said, "God will sort them out when they get to heaven." <laughs> so. Yeah, they had a, a bit of a world. different attitude. Different, like different well, I'd say they had a different attitude. They don't seem to have, it's not seem to have changed too much these days. Mm. <laughs> so there we go. So Michael Wood. And on that note. Dark ages. <laughs> so um, what, D, D Magdeburg on the blue sky. Look at me with, down with the kids. What cheese and wine or other drink would you recommend to company your festive big game? We always had mince pies. We had we used to do Chris. I haven't done one for a couple of years. I must start again. Uh, we always used to have mince pies and tea. Was weird. Just rebels and alcoholic. And... Yeah, tea for me. I don't really drink. I don't really drink wine. I drink I wine. Cheese. I would go with a bottle of Bordeaux or Chianti. Oh, nice. Okay. We used to. We used to. A couple of my friends. Um, the, the sadly, the lad that died, Dave and um, Tom. Uh, they used to drink like fishies when we were gaming. <laughs> you know, they cracked through four tins of Guinness between you know, each while we were while we were having, having a game, and I have something yeah. I've never done. I mean, they enjoyed themselves. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not dissing either. it, but it was just something that I've you know, never never yeah, been no, drinking. I, mean, I need to, I need to concentrate on those tables. It, <laughs> if you you know if, you, if, you, if you're cross referencing stuff and you've had a couple of shablies, yeah. Could could run over, oh, couldn't it? Yeah. Could, could could cost you the game. Yeah, somebody somebody will think, oh, he's cheating. No, he's pissed. <laughs> uh, Frederick on Blue Sky was Bear Dogs rags to riches story fabricated to boost your ratings, as suggested by the Daily Mirror. Do you remember Bear Dog? No. Nope. Um, it was a 
uh, I, I was going to an appointment in Nairsborough and I had to go on the train. And as I was walking along, there was a teddy bear on top of a bin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, yes. I, it haunted me. It haunted me all the way. I, and I thought, why is that teddy bear? And I had all these horrible stories going around in my head. And, uh, you know, kids have been taken into care and it's left on there. And, <laughs> oh, dear me. Anyway, when I came back, it was still there. So I took it home and washed it. And he's next door at the moment. Um, and I thought it was a bear. And then somebody pointed out it was actually a dog. <laughs> what do I know? I was, shit, I, I was shit at biology. I didn't know which it was. Um, so, yeah. So, no. Did it boost your ratings? Did it? Nothing boost my rating. <laughs> yeah. Drop them off even nothing. Yeah. <laughs> doing doing podcasts on paint Minus. doing podcasts on paintbrushes, and <laughs> two hours on the history of the papal zoaves is not how you reach him. You do bolt action. Bolt action is bolt action is great. Or games workshop or is going past bus. That's how you. That's how you get your, your numbers. That's up. It, yeah, that's how you get your ratings. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. So good old bear dog, bless him. And then somebody, after I got him home and washed him, said it might have been a young kids and they've dropped it and they were going to come back for it later. And I thought you twat. Make me feel like a bastard. Now. That's oh, it's dreadful now. So I'm waiting. You know, I'm waiting now. Every time there's a knock on the door, it's like, is it the postman or is it a little kid? A kid. Have you got my bear dog, Mister? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Mine now. Yeah. This is the real world. Grow up, kid. I've got a bear dog. See that big German Shepherd there tear your arm off if you come in the house and try and get to him. Anyway, last question. Andy Shaw on Blue Sky. What book needs to be or would you like to be written about your favourite subject and who would you get to write it? Oh my God. These questions are so hard at this time of night. You could say Lithuanian ladies of Twitter and you'd like to and who'd write and it? And you'd like to write it yourself. <laughs> yeah, do the research yourself. Yeah. There are any Lithuanian ladies listening, no. I have the greatest respect for you and <laughs> the messages that you send me, and they don't go ignored. That one's, I don't know, that's, that's a really hard question to answer that. On the Italian Wars, Wargame in the Italian Wars, written by me. <laughs> War game in the and, first world war written by me. To be fair, I should have written it two years ago, but I just couldn't <laughs> work. Just meant that I just couldn't do it, and I don't think I'm ever. Until I retire, I'm never going to be in a position to do it. Uh, and my my big fear about doing that is um, idiots on the internet just get. Well, you've got that wrong. You've got that wrong. Yeah. And my stock, my restock re- reply, well, just fuck off then, is probably not going to help sales. Yeah. No, no, it's not good for the book signing. No. Get fucked, Ken. <laughs> can you sign this? Can you sign this to my wife, Sherry? Sherry, <laughs> get fucked, Ken. <laughs> anyway, there's mine. Uh, any... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the same with the First World War. Britain by first World War. War game in the First World Alex's War. Alex's First World War. Mm-hmm. How to war game in the First World War without having to put fucking goblins You'll in it. You'll never guess what happens. 
anti-tank guided <laughs> missiles in World War One. Get Ridley Scott to do the film. I could do, yeah, yeah. The uh, he'd, he'd have a load of elephant attacks in it, oh. wouldn't he? Did they have? Uh, well, I was say, did they have elephants in World War One? Of course, they fucking had elephants in World War One. <laughs> they didn't just go on holiday, did they? There was one here in Sheffield. He used to work at the steelworks. Work. Because all the, the yeah, all the horses, all the horses got taken for the cavalry and for the army for uh, transport. So had, uh, they got an elephant. Yeah, but where did that come from? They didn't have them hanging around. Well, the zoo. Well, no, no, yeah, zoo probably. I don't know. But yeah, they had a, an elephant for a few years. I can't remember which uh, which firm it was. Is that like that bear that you great that bear that used to fight with? I can't remember. It was a Russian unit or a German unit. In uh, Polish, Polish unit. Yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, There's yeah, a big um, statue of him in Princess then. Street Park yeah. in Edinburgh. That's yeah. right. Mm. It was the um, wasn't it the it was their, their mascot, yeah. wasn't it? But no, yeah, there was a, an elephant that used to work down in uh, Sheffield, pulling uh, steel about. Bloody elephants coming to this go. country, taking our jobs. <laughs> oh, I bet you don't get many of them coming across on small boats, do you? Certainly don't. Yeah, they can swim though. They can. can yeah. Can, there's a, can the can an elephant swim the channel? It probably could, because uh, size-wise, it's it's quite big, isn't Not it? The so the channel is actually, you know, physically smaller to it. It'd be like going up and down in uh, Mulby swimming baths. You'd have to give it some Haribo, though, wouldn't you, to keep it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. That's my favourite uh, letter to Viz, though. <laughs> Look, if I see that, I don't know if that's what you were referencing, but there was a, a letter to Viz years ago. It said it was from uh, the head keeper at the London Zoo. He said that uh, he's at his wit's end because all the animals are dying. They're not sure what to feed them on. They've been feeding the, the elephants on Haribo, but... <laughs> Three of them have died so far. <laughs> do, do any of your readers have any any suggestions what we could feed the animals? <laughs> uh, I miss that. I miss that. I did used to, I did used to really enjoy this years ago. So. It's a brilliant one. My favourite letter. Well, what can I say? Um, it's been a fantastic evening, guys. Thank you very much for your company. Hang on, Ian didn't ask oh, the question Ian, about the, the, the book. book. The book you can't just have him on and not, not listen to my it. Two, my two favourite books have probably been written, so it's quite a hard one. On yeah, we've got Steel Bonnets and the Border Reavers, and then we've got The Forty Five by Christopher Duffy, who's sadly not with us anymore. So well, that, maybe maybe something in terms of the French Indian War with Christopher Duffy. Well, maybe you could do. Maybe you could, you could put Duffy's book out and put your name over his because he's dead. He's not going to sue you. Just, just with like a poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there actually by Just... Ian? <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of got that. Christopher Duffy's done it, but if I was to if I was to get, it would be a definitive book on the French Indian War. Mm. Christopher Duffy. That would have been it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, uh, Merry no Christmas to you, you both. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Uh, Merry Christmas can. to all the listeners. Mm, indeed. Yeah. Or the listener. And a happy new year when it comes as well. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You'll be. Um, are, you, are you going drink free New Year, Ian? We were talking before we started. Yeah. Um, was, I was never a hog. Wasn't a big hog, mini kind of guy. 
lot of football over the New Year as well. Take my son to his first football match in the second. Oh, so. what's, which game is he going to? Rangers v Kilmarnock. Oh, should be an easy win, that. He'll be bored out his tears and turned off football for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> See, unfortunately, that happened with my lad when I took him to Bradford. I should not have taken him to Bradford. I should have taken him to watch football. And he just, he, he, he did come with me. He did come to a game at the start of the season with me, bless him. Uh, and he endured 90 minutes of Bradford playing shit again. Uh, but there we go. Bless him. That's what sons are for, isn't it? Taking to the football. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to torment him somehow. <laughs> well, hopefully you have a fantastic time. So uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and good night. Yep. Hi, this is Martin from episode 39 of the Yorkshire Gamers Read Big War Games podcast. I would like to wish Ken and all the podcast listeners a happy Christmas and success with their large gaming projects in 2024. Hi there, this is Peter Berry from Backers. May I wish all the listeners brilliant Christmas, and a happy Six Mill-based New Year. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was great fun doing it, as always, and and apologies for that mistrack on the first part of the podcast. Hopefully it didn't spoil your enjoyment too much. Thank you once again for listening in this year. 2023, as I said at the start, has been a fantastic year for the Yorkshire Gamer podcast. And it's the number of people who listen on a regular basis. And I, as I said, I want to thank you all very much for doing so. Um, I shall be at a number of shows next year uh, putting on display games. So come up and say hello. I shall have my uh, blue Yorkshire Gamer t-shirt on. And I'm always happy to chat with people about the hobby, about the podcast, about whatever. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you in the new year. Until uh, the next episode, which I haven't uh, finalised as yet, so I'm not going to announce at this point, just in case it goes wrong. Uh, But there will be episodes, certainly one, if not two, in January of the new year, as I've got a couple um, held back from this year. And uh, I look forward to 2024 having as many podcasts as I possibly can. Have a great Christmas and a happy new year. I'll see you in 24.